They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. With the bye, 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 bye. With the bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. But the bye, 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 bye. But the bye, 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 bye. But the bye, 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 bye. Hey. How's it going, How buddy? It's very good, actually. Very good indeed. Um, whoo, well, we welcome to Bad Boy Running, everybody. Bad Boy Running, the most exciting thing to happen to running podcasting since Marathon Talk was banned by iTunes. Is that true? No. Oh, no. Oh, you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? Well, the thing is, if people think it's been banned, then they'll stop listening, won't they? I've never it's listened true. to it. I don't know. I would know. I don't even know what marathon talks like. I have no idea. I don't even think they're a competitor. Really. So as soon as as soon as drugs was banned, people stopped taking them. <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Clever. Absolutely. That's Clever. That's how it works. But um, it's we we record these uh, the intros after the actual interview quite often, and I've got to say I don't think we've I think this is the best episode we've ever recorded. This is the this is the this is a very surprising episode. Even more surprising about when that time that David told me we were interviewing his photographer mate who turned out to be a champion in uh, OCR. That this is probably more surprising than that. <laughs> well, just how I roll, you know. Just um, my plumber, he's a WWF champion. Uh, it's just who I roll with. That just, kind of they just, they just do every, they just do normal everyday shit, and then they turn out to be champions at, at various things. Did I tell you about my cook, uh, Stephen Seagal? He's <laughs> just a chef. What can just a chef, chef do? It's just a chef. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But um, it welcomes the podcast. If you haven't listened to it before, we uh, talk loosely about running, um, but normally about a whole load of other crap. And this one, it's quite a long episode, so and we're not, not going to really do too running. much intro at the it's beginning. Not, it's not really about running. It's we really not about, about running. We talk about adventure, but we also talk about the human spirit and human nature and, and adversity. Yeah, and we've, that's the thing, we've had quite a few adventures on the before. We've, people like Sean Conway, people like Danny Bent, and Anna McNuff, who's not come out of the episode, but that one's going to be on soon. Lee Stewart so, Evans. Lee Stewart Evans, indeed. Absolutely. And uh, have we had Lee Stewart on? Have, have we had him on? Yeah, of course we've had him on. <laughs> I love the fact that you've forgotten. <laughs> Has he actually been on? He's always, he's always felt like he's there. It's always he's felt always, like he's there. He's always present, but has he actually been on? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like um, the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah, has anyone yeah. ever? He's omnipresent, <laughs> but has they actually? Have we actually had a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> but um, we quite unusual circumstances for how how Charlie came to be on the podcast. She was organising the Red Bull Wings for Life, uh, which I was running. Day after, your day after your birthday. Day after I was incredibly hungover, but sadly had to do a marathon for training. So um, 
met her on the way round, and um, Ross McDonald had, had mentioned that she had an incredible backstory. So we invited her on the podcast, um, not really knowing what the backstory was. <laughs> well, well, I did a bit of a Google first. Uh, like, wow. That, but yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a great thing. You'll realise very quickly what happens when a couple of unprofessional presenters come up against a professional presenter who's not taking any shit from an unprofessional <laughs> couple of presenters. And puts them and puts them on the spot. Oh, uh, we got called out big time. Yeah, I mean, um, actually, that was that was brilliant. Um, she 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 could read us like a book, and uh, yeah. To be, fa- to be fair, it, it would literally take three seconds of listening to us uh, any point to know that our, our level of research is it, it's not quite the same level I imagine of most news organisations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we'll um, we normally talk a bit more about what's happening in running and what we've been up to but because this is uh, quite a long episode mainly because it's just an incredible story um and we we wanted to well, keep it going for as long as possible because it's we were hanging on every word so without much ado here's charlie so we've got someone um, a little bit different on the podcast this time in that she's she's quite high profile quite famous which is a bit of a rarity for us but i was um, i was running the um the red bull wings for life uh, a couple of weeks ago and ross uh, ross mcdonald was cycling around me like mate you've got to get you've got to get charlie webster on the show she's she's got a really really good backstory it's like so then as a charlie, charlie hey charlie you've got a really interesting and i worded it in a way that didn't to show that I had, I didn't know the backstory. So I was like, hey, Charlie, Charlie, oh, you've got a really interesting backstory, haven't you? But it was only then, once she, she said she'd come on the podcast, that I Googled her and found out that, in fact, she did a big cycling adventure. I'm sorry, JD. I'm what? sorry, JD. Every time, we always end, you always end up getting another cyclist on. Every time. Thankfully, though, she was a runner. She is a runner. Um, we'll find out the times she hasn't been running why. But welcome to the podcast, Charlie Yay. Wester. Thank you. I'm not sure how to take any of that introduction from either of you. <laughs> um, and I also seem to remember, David, that you were like, um, oh, sorry about your, um, what a great effort on your cycling attempt. And I very quickly corrected you that it was not an attempt and I actually did complete the whole thing and uh, Jody I'm not just a cyclist um like I'm a runner and an Ironman and I box oh don't worry I've heard you've got a bit of a thing against cyclists these <laughs> in in some ways you're actually the reverse of of a duper so if you the people who listen to the podcast regularly they're known as do badders and um in some ways, you're at the reverse of do badder in that the, the do badder approach to racing is to get your excuses early um, before you started the race and then probably DNF along the way. Whereas oh, my God, I know so many you of did those the reverse. people. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like it's not a good thing. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but no, or you get the people right that go, I haven't trained. I haven't trained. I haven't done any training. And then they knock out a ridiculous time and you're like, What? Why did you spend half an hour telling everyone? It's almost like they get it in just in case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the first half of that story is do better behavior. The second half of then smashing it, less so, I'd say, less so. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think but actually where, when where I saw you, it was your birthday the night before, right? I think you were 
still either drunk or classic game when you were running around <laughs> classic chat oh i was out on it like big last night you know i'll probably i'll probably have to finish the next lap classic do bad behavior yeah you did actually do that <laughs> But um, well, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I mean, where where would you like to begin? We can go to the beginning. We can go to straight to the cycle. We can. I mean, what what would you like to discuss first? Well, I'll let you lead because I'm so used to hosting or taking the lead in broadcast. So this is a podcast, and I'm your guest. So I'm gonna sit back. I've just made myself comfortable. I've so, no, this, this is this is like no, now we've been judged. You're making by work for it. Oh goodness. <laughs> We just are we don't you know, writing down notes. We don't know. We don't are know. How. <laughs> we just copied each other, which is there's like a bit of a face off going off here, isn't there? We've only been talking for about one minute. <laughs> it's the competitiveness. That's what it is. God, she's already got us working for her, and like on the back of our back on the back foot. So that's quite impressive. Wow. Um, anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> You're so, like, quick, quick, ask her a question. Ask her a question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, the, I mean, the cycle seems like that, that's probably in in terms of before you're a runner, afterwards you've you've relearned to run, you've you've done Ironmans and all these things. But that's probably the the, the pivotal the, the the pivotal moment, I guess, in the definition of your I guess your life in some ways. Um, so talk us talk us through through the bike ride why you why you wanted to run across south so cycle across south america rather than than run um and then take us through the actual journey um gosh so i have done some kind of endurance running stuff as well you'll be pleased to hear not just cycling and then um i remember like the ex-footballer danny mills um mm. gave me a phone mm. call and he said oh um i've been talking about doing this cycle challenge um, from the London Olympic Stadium to Rio um, and we've just got guys um, so we were looking for like a woman to get involved and you're the only, your name is the only one that kept coming up all the time as somebody <laughs> like stupid enough to do it and I was like okay thank you I don't really know how to take that but actually I'd actually done a half Ironman with Danny um, yeah. I think like the month before um, and we can be quite competitive against each other. Um, and I used to wind him up because I've actually done a full Ironman and he hasn't. He, every time he's kind of bottled it. <laughs> and, uh, so that, I don't know. And then and then I was like, well, okay, this would be quite interesting. And I was working on the, was meant to be working on the Olympic Games presenting. Yeah. So I was like, oh, what an amazing story. I can like cycle, you know, from London to Rio. What an incredible adventure. Um, and then go straight into presenting. Yeah. And also... It was in memory of Jane Tomlinson, and I thought it was like her 10-year anniversary and what an incredible, inspirational woman she was. And I also think there was, on a serious note, part of me was, you know, I really want to show people that, you know, we can do these challenges no matter where we're from and no matter who we are. And, you know, I'm nobody, I'm not like an extraordinary different to anybody else i believe that anybody can if they put their mind to it can do these things um so i suppose i wanted it to be an inspiration as well mm. um but <laughs> on the actual i'm laughing because gosh i spent hours telling you about some of the stories that happened on the actual <laughs> cycle challenge <laughs> some of them great. i probably can't say <laughs> oh yeah honestly you can with whatever you oh we've i had really worse, can't <laughs> let me tell you um yeah and then and then anyway I I agreed to do it and 
I was kind of woman and an about it just because it was such a massive commitment and with, you know, like my schedule is really hectic and it involves a lot of travel. So sometimes, honestly, like that's why I love running so much because you can be anywhere and you can just get your trainers on. But with cycling, I find it hard because you can't just Mm. get your cycle on if you're like, you know, traveling somewhere. Um, So the training I found quite hard and then the actual challenge. So we cycle from London through Europe because every time anybody goes, oh, like it was amazing, you know, 3000 miles. But, you know, what route did you take? How did you get across the sea? And it's like, well, <laughs> and then the kind of joke I used to say was, oh, well, I went across the sea and everybody'd be like, really? How How did you do that? <laughs> As if you cycle across the sea. Yeah, um, yeah. But we basically cycled down Europe and then flew across from Lisbon um, to the northernmost part of Brazil and then cycled all the way down Brazil. So it was 3,000 miles in total. Were you on a bike on the plane? Because I, I, I feel that you should be... <laughs> Yeah, constantly spinning. Yes, I was like a special <laughs> spinning bike. No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, but if it was any consolation, the only rest we had was basically on that that plane. And yeah. I actually fly. I had to fly via a job to then get back on a plane <laughs> to get there and get straight on the bike. So I didn't even have um, any rest day. Um, and no, I didn't fly business class. <laughs> Because how many miles were you doing each day um, at this stage? It varied. Um, like, it really varied, to be honest. It could be, mm. you know, we, we it depended on the terrain as well because mm. when we cycled across the Pyrenees, we did, like, maybe 60 miles because it was yeah. a lot tougher. Um, and then other days we'd do about 100 to 120. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that it kind of averaged about 100, I reckon, 90 to 100 a day. Um, but it definitely wasn't consistent and we also got lost. <laughs> A few <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, who is responsible? Meals, <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, we. It, I, I don't think we did get. Oh gosh, sorry, I just smashed my laptop on the floor. No problem. Like overexcited. <laughs> um, oh no, I hope it's not broken. Um, so yeah, so like, oh well. The thing was that you know, there's always these things, you know. There's always different, you know, roads that maybe were, you know, it happens in a car, right? Yeah. You know, roads that weren't there or blockages and blah, 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 and kind of that happens. And then when you got to, when we got to South America, that was a completely different story Um, because some of the roads, I mean, we were on one road um, and (laughs) it was so dangerous. It was ridiculous. In what way? Off and go a different road. (laughs) From cars, or <laughs> like these are things you're not supposed to be asking me about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, from uh, lorries and cars, um, and also it was just really in the middle of the nowhere, I and mean, it was known as somewhere that bandits were, and the the like death toll was really high <laughs> from um, traffic accidents, but also from <laughs> other things. See, these are this the, sounds this sounds great. Around. This sounds great. <laughs> 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 You've sold. You probably sold this. I bet the Brazilian tourist board are so pleased that. <laughs> I've got to ask. What is what is a bandit? I mean, I know. I know in children's books what it is, but how how are they different to like a thief or a kidnapper or a mugger? Are they? Is it a special class? Oh, that's a good question. 
Maybe I should have asked them when they were when I was cycling past them. <laughs> um, but luckily, I didn't. I didn't actually find out. <laughs> Thank God. Um, <laughs> but actually, maybe if I'd have got kidnapped, that would have saved me going through <laughs> what was oh. about to happen to me. So who knows which one was best? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but no, I don't know what what they did. Should we Google it? Are you on your laptop? So I've just. I, I, I have a see. Um, I don't know. Is it is it a? What it's kind of the American Spanish word. Is it? Is it a robber or outlaw to... belonging to a gang, typically operating in an isolated or lawless area? That's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah, okay. Like Bandidos indeed. Yeah, so there's a lot of bandidos in the area because it was very remote. So when, <laughs> when we were cycling up north, it was a remote area. Um, yeah, and I suppose they're like... Were you eyeballing people as you went? Like, is he? Yeah, but that that is Bandito. He's all right. He's a, he's a good Dito. Good he's Dito. A bandito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I always think I always think it's weird when, why they try targeting people in sports gear and stuff. Because you just think, like, what are you going to take off me? You're going to like a smelly, sweating person. You know, probably not carrying that much money. Like, there's got to be better pickings than that. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's why we got away with it then, because we were a truck full of, I don't know, some contraband or something. They're probably um, trying to get Strava Bigger Mountains. I did have a decent bike, so uh, okay. they could oh, yeah. have got a oh, bit yeah. of dollar for my bike. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that thing that I was on. <laughs> you both yeah. like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they could have probably stolen that. But we've and then, you know, one... they could have maybe tried to, like, ransom me off. I don't know who'd pay any money for me, but... Oh come on, that would a few be camels. that would be an amazing comic relief if if Charlie's at the end of a phone amazing. line. They're like, right, we've got to raise two million pounds to get Charlie out of comic relief. And then do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon? Do you reckon people would do it to get me released? That's It'd be great. They, 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 as it goes up, the um the thermometer type thing it would be like left leg would be. Two hundred thousand, and then Charlie's right leg, and oh, let's make it happen, people. Let's make it. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> you gonna you contact the Benditos? <laughs> I feel like you're pitching. Indeed, this. I feel like you're I, pitching. I, this I always idea. wonder. With these... <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might get in contact with after this. <laughs> right, we've got a great well, idea I, for I, a documentary. <laughs> Charlie gets napped. I mean, it would. That's it. it would yeah <laughs> it would get viewership that's the thing um, and then i could wear I, like I, some gopros all around and and we could film actually what it's like being kidnapped yeah that'd be perfect. quite an interesting documentary actually. this is def- definitely definitely <laughs> yeah no look i'm supposed to be recovering but, and looking after myself after everything but with with these high profile attempts i mean how much support do you do you get given um gosh um i being careful i think it depends on from my experience i've done i cycled three thousand miles and mm. um i also did another one about three four years ago where i ran 250 miles mm. and the 250 miles was when i was running to and from 40 different football clubs and um if people remember might remember i got um, yeah. football involved and it was all about um kind of getting men talking about domestic and sexual abuse because it's something that mainly was a, was a conversation between women. I think things are changing. So, mm. you know, I, obviously women do go to football games and I love football, but it was about kind of 
getting the conversation to a, a, a large male audience. And for that, like, I didn't have any any outside support apart from my friends. <laughs> so, like, I just basically, anybody who was my friend got roped into working for me for free. Obviously, all yeah. the money went to charity. Um, so that, you know, all the money did go to charity so that nothing could be taken. And I got <clears throat> um, sponsored um, by companies so that we had no outgoing costs. And literally, yeah. that was just my friends in a in a car following me. And we did have great, you know, we had... Uh, great sponsors like Mercedes gave us the cars and stuff for our support cars, which was great and blah, blah, blah. Um, and <clears throat> so, no, I didn't have the support. But then there are some, like you mentioned, like the sport relief ones are much more um, supported. And the one that the cycle ride that I did, I don't think, like, I don't, I don't want to say too much, but it wasn't, it wasn't supported properly. Um, okay. and we just had limited support. So it wasn't like people think like we didn't stay in posh hotels and we didn't, we didn't have like a doctor or a masseuse. We didn't have any of that. Like, and we pretty much had to fend for ourselves. Um, and I think there's this perception that like you know, anybody that might be in the public eye or, or, or anything like that, when they go and do these challenges that, that, you know, they get on the road, whatever it is, whether it's running or biking during the day. And then they are going, <laughs> they go and have a pamper session in the evening and they get put in, up in a five-star hotel and given a steak. And it really wasn't like that. It was the quite, quite the opposite. I mean, there was sometimes, you know, in Portugal, we had nowhere to stay. We stayed in somebody's house, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, and then there was one, yeah, it was a really cool house. And <laughs> the guy was really interested, but they let us stay in the house because we had nowhere it's to stay. It's a random guy or yeah, it's not yeah. his door. What yeah. did you say? <laughs> Hello, <laughs> we're some <laughs> random cyclists. <laughs> Can you let us in? Um, basically yeah and he had um but he was known in the village of letting people stay so it wasn't okay. like completely random like we'd asked about and um and he kind of let visitors stay it was quite a remote area um in portugal and he'd got like this cool kind of stables that we stayed in and it was a bit haunted but quite fun and um and then but there it, was one time in time in brazil where we stayed in a hut and we kind of had to share a hut so it, it's not it isn't, and I know, I know a lot of people who've done these things as well, and it's not, it, it's not, I think, there's a sometimes a negative perception, and actually everybody's got a good heart, and that's why they're trying to do it. Yeah. Um, so, no, it, it's not what people think. So, also, do you think there's a lot of, um, people are sceptical, and there's a lot of assumption that it's self-serving then, from the public? Um, I don't know, I mean, I suppose that's not, for me to say really i don't know do you think that i i think sometimes there can be a but have you felt have you felt that from people's reaction there have you <clears throat> not to me no okay. okay no not no not to me but uh, you know you see sometimes um i think it was victoria beckham got picked up on i mean she wasn't doing a challenge but she was out in i'm not sure whether she was in africa or maybe india and uh, she was doing a project with comic relief and she did get picked apart for it um you know, but at the end of the day, I don't know if she's helping. Then I don't know. I think I think everybody to an extent. You know, people that go and do run a marathon, um, for example. You know, we just did the London Marathon, and everybody's running for mm. charities and for other people, but also for themselves. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a really positive thing to do. Like I know somebody who was running in the memory of their dad, and they were helping raise money for their dad, but also it was helping their grief. So I don't think you know. On that respect, everybody, to an extent, you know, does these things to help themselves through their own adversities. 
Yeah, I think now the the challenge is so hard that even if someone is it for self in in it for self serving reasons, they really have to go through hell anyway. So you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. they deserve it by the other end. It used to, it used to be the case, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, when but... I think people again, like when I did the. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. Say. No, just... I was just going to say, like, when I did the three thousand miles, like, you know, mm-hmm. don't forget, it's you know, I'm not, I don't get paid for any of it. I take time off. I don't earn. You know, yeah. I I support myself. Like, you know, when I did the two hundred fifty mile run, like, I was up till three or four in the morning every morning, um, every night leading up to that, trying to organise everything and trying to make sure it was fully sponsored. And I did that single handedly, and that was because I'm so passionate about the topic. And it's yeah. and, and and everything I do is for for a reason. I mean, you know, going to do an Ironman that's different. You know, I wanted to do an Ironman because I wanted to say I've done an Ironman <laughs> and achieve it. You know, and there's nothing again. That's just like what everybody else does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, and and you when you were talking about the level of support on this um the cycle from and and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but just from your tone, it did sound a little bit like you felt you were under supported. <laughs> Who do you work for? Which journalist? <laughs> Son of the male or what? What do you want to know? No, I was just wondering whether... Who's paying Who's Whose fault? Whose fault was <laughs> it? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I want names. But I, want it, I mean, was there any of that where you... Did you get halfway through and think, geez, what have we actually... What are we doing here? Or was it always... You always felt actually it was achievable and you were in control? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Let's move on. No, I think, um, oh, God, you know, there, uh, it's, di- it's difficult, really, honestly, for me to answer um, because I think, you know, nutritionally, we could, you know, we could have had, we needed a lot more. Um, but so many less, I learned a lot of lessons as well. You know, sometimes I didn't speak up and I should have spoke up. Um, and, you know, it taught me a few lessons myself because, I think sometimes I feel like I'm I'm a strong voice, but sometimes I'll just let things go because I just want to get on with things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I was the only female of the group, um, which I think I was conscious of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, esp- especially because I didn't want to be the one that was like, "Hey, I you know I need more food than this." Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I actually it was quite nice because like there was a couple of us that really bonded and we really helped each other out. And then, you know, some days I was having an amazing day and then some days the guys wouldn't be having a a great day. Um, But I think for me, it's mentally, there was never, there was never a point where I was like, you know, I'm not going to do this purely Mm. because of my own stubbornness. And the fact that to me, I feel like if I'd have, not being able to do it or I'd have got halfway and, and not carried on. Um, but this attitude sometimes gets me into trouble because um, I can push things a little bit too far. I feel like I don't want to let people down. And I felt like, you know, I made quite a lot of noise about about doing the cycle and people were following me and I felt a responsibility because I wanted to show to show that we, you know, no matter what we can achieve and also as a female, you know, I, I had so many different reasons, I think. Mm. So, you know, I'll push myself because... Yeah, I want to to finish it off. But there was a point when we were in France, believe it or not, which was the first week. And I had the worst, like, I was getting the worst kind of, like, lactic. And, like, eight, I was getting, like, really bad doms the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. And and I was, like, 
having to go to sleep in like compression tights and, mm. and and I just I don't know I was like oh my god I don't you know I've trained for this what I'm what you know what's going on and and I and I was kind of like head down a little bit and and I was like oh my god it's the first week and I remember thinking oh shit <laughs> like how am I yeah. gonna get to Brazil you know yeah and then because it's like sometimes I think when you run anybody out there that's listening who you know, runs or cycles or whatever it is they do, I think sometimes it's the first bit that's always yeah. the worst because yeah. you're like, oh, you know, when you're running a marathon, you're like, oh, my God, my legs are aching already and I've only run two miles. And it was a little bit like that. But then once I came overcame that, there was no – there was it wasn't an option that I yeah. wasn't going to finish it. But there was sometimes, like, one of my favourite times where it, it wasn't really my favourite, but the funniest things I still can't get over was – um, I think we were cycling to Salvador and the road was just endless and it was like so boring and we were getting such little sleep and that that was one thing that was I found difficult is I was getting you know a couple of hours sleep a night and that was it and I started to fall asleep <laughs> on the bike oh, when I was cycling I? about 27 miles an hour no joke <laughs> and I was like I started to fall asleep my I couldn't keep my eyes open you know when you're driving sometimes yeah. Yeah. you have that like shock and it kind of you hit the ridge and it goes duh, 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 like that and you're like oh crap you know I hate that feeling I started to do it on the bike because I was just so tired I was like oh my god so god knows what my body you know what my body was going through do you know what I mean if you if you really think about it the fact that I was so tired that despite the fact it was almost like I was like a robot um you know sometimes that, you drive, that you drive you home back. and yeah yeah and it jolted me back but I'd already kind of like leant down to the handlebars and it's like oh my yeah. gosh can you imagine yeah. having an accident uh, oh, God, yeah. you know so yeah, just because I was so tired just like desperate for sleep um, and when you, and you mentioned so you went through well. you mentioned you went through Salvador and uh, probably a few other places that are sash songs were they always in your head as you were going just El Salvador and then each one oh. you change the track <laughs> for the whole country. I love the fact that you knew that was sash uh, well, I think it's that. So, Come on, I, I told you, nineties yeah, music, nineties noughties. <laughs> yeah, but the thing up, is, I up. love those kind of mu- that kind of music. Like I was a real, <laughs> real dance like k- raver when I was younger. I still like it now, actually, and I love garage music as well. You're both like yeah. looking in disgust. No, 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 <laughs> um, no, love garage. Oh yes, I love garage so much, and I love like those. Honestly, when those nineties tunes kept come on, like Salvador. I just love it. Oh, do you remember this one? Da, da, da. <laughs> we had Gala Free From Desire yesterday. Uh, um, at the that beer. is a great oh, song. That was, that was the highlight, I'd say, of, of the music of the day. But, um, so the, for, the, for the listeners that, that don't know your full story then, so, so basically uh, Charlie caught malaria mid-race. Um, so were you, was that something you were consciously aware of before it hit you hard or...? Um, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I think we've all heard of malaria. Uh, you know, it's the thing that mosquitoes bite you and and pass on, you know, the disease. And and I think it's something that maybe, you know, I think even myself was guilty of thinking, oh well, it kind of happens in Africa, and you know, we don't really hear too mm. much about it here. And then um, I did. I remember going to, when I went to the. Um, doctors beforehand because obviously I had to get all my jabs and I remember having about 12 injections before I set off on the cycle ride and like several dead arms and then I said to them all 
you know, do I need to take antimalarial tablets? And the GP said no. And then I went to a um, travel doctor and the, G- and the travel doctor said no. Um, which is interesting because I've since been told that I, by um, various medical experts and, um, you know, the uh, tropical diseases in London, um, that I should have been taking malarial tab- anti-malarial tablets. Um, so there's a lesson for every single one. That would be my main message. On yeah. a, on a, let's have a serious second that um, if you go into anywhere that has malaria, make sure you take the tablets because it's not a joke. And um, and especially because we're, you know, especially Westerners, we have no immunity. So, like, if mm. we got severe malaria, then what happens to me happens. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't have anti-malaria tablets because we weren't in a high-risk area. Um, mm. But obviously there's still a risk and there is... Uh, malaria where I went I went obviously I didn't get malaria in Rio I got malaria in North Brazil Mm. and some of the more remote places where we cycle further in towards the Amazon Um, and yeah and it just so just very very unlucky because nobody else got ill on the trip and I'm glad they didn't you know it was it was horrific and you know the doctor said I wasn't going to survive so I don't know whether another person will would have because one of the reasons they um say i i survived was actually because i do a lot of exercise and because i've run since i was a kid like i started running when i was 11 years old um Mm. and i haven't stopped since and they said that i was really extremely healthy and somebody not as healthy 100 percent wouldn't be here um but yeah i did did it what does it actually do because i i all i know about there is it comes and goes and you get sweats but what how else does it hit you and affect you it doesn't it doesn't come and go okay um so it, it so basically the the initial symptoms of malaria like you said are like real high fever and mm. um you know you get diarrhea um and like kind of have that flu feeling but it's mm. so aggressive um so like the parasite kind of sits inside you and then once it kind of embeds in your body it eats your blood um so if it doesn't get treated within three or four days then it will turn into severe malaria but there's also different strains of malaria so one of the strains i had was one of the well is the worst form and it's it was it's kind of like a rarer form so it's not the most common form uh, that we hear about Um, and there are different forms where it can go straight in, in onto your liver and um kidneys uh, or it can go straight into your brain which is cerebral, cerebral uh, malaria so there are different mm. types which i think not many people know which you know i i didn't until all this happened because i think we yeah. just think oh malaria <laughs> and you know i did too um and then if it's yeah if it's not treated then the malaria just ba- the parasite of malaria is a parasite just basically eats your organs and kills them off one one by one Sorry, that's really gory, but that is what happens. Wow. Um, yeah. It feels like, whoa. Um, so it's, it's generally yeah. not a good thing I then. Why I am. And so you, 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 you caught malaria, and, and when have you got an idea of how long before the end of the ride it was, or did? did it start to? Did you start to feel ill before the end, or no, how did it not at come all. on? um i i actually finished the bike ride fine and i felt i felt fine i felt knackered and i I really wanted to be on my own and get away from everybody um but apart from that um i felt fine and was excited to go to work you know i was meant to be presenting on the olympics i was doing stuff for the uk and the us i was like yeah i can't wait really excited and and we've met you know and the sense of achievement of getting through that because there was some real 
lows on the cycle ride um, as well as some highs as well and um the thing about malaria is once when a mosquito bites you so mm. it's not from a mosquito it's actually passed human to human it's just that the mosquito is the carrier of mm. it um and it takes about 10 to 14 days for you to get any symptoms so i got bitten in north brazil and then carried on cycling obviously having no idea with a malaria parasite inside me just basically brewing and like mm. and, and growing and being like oh yeah um and then getting ready to enter my bloodstream um so i didn't feel anything and then it when it happens it happens really quick so i got to the top of christ redeemer which was our final three thousandth mile and um you know it was at the top and was like oh you know oh, it's incredible but i kind of didn't feel right you know when you just know i know i feel like i know my body quite well and you know mm -hmm. that something's not quite right and i thought oh, i'm just probably exhausted from everything i knew i was dehydrated anyway and i probably was really undernourished i hadn't eaten enough calories for the amount we were burning and i knew that but i thought i'd be fine and then um i just had like the worst diarrhea and I don't know why I'm whispering it as if it's <laughs> Don't worry, no one's home. listening, don't I worry. <laughs> Diarrhea, yeah, nobody's yeah. listening, is it just you two? Yeah. And, like, um, and so much so that even as I was, even as I was cycling up, um, I had to find a van to oh, quietly no. go, yeah. Oh, no. I was like, oh, crap, literally. And, you found um, a van? Yeah, there was... There was you had a poo in a most, van? Yeah, most people just go to a toilet. a van? <laughs> Oh, but bearing in mind, I had cycling kit on as well, so oh I had God. to like, and I had full, as in the full thing, right? Oh, <laughs> Pull it all the way down, oh, everything I can get out, <laughs> perching behind <laughs> this like old van, hoping that nobody will see me. Um, yeah. And then I carried on going, and then I managed to find some toilets. But one toilet was this is like basically my journey up to the top of Christ Redeemer because I started to get like a bit of diarrhea. Um, to the top, all the way to the top, um, leaving a trail. Um, but no, I managed, I was all right. And then it gets worse. Then um, we had to, as soon as we'd finished, we raced down to the Olympic Park, which I don't know if anybody listening that was in Rio. Rio, um, when the Olympics won, was a nightmare to navigate around. And everything was like, you know, took an hour to get to. And it was really open and, and kind of spread out. And so we went to the Olympic Park to do loads of press. And we went into like the ITV studios and I ran into the toilet and it was getting worse. And But at the time I was just like joking about it, saying, oh my God, I've got proper shits, it's awful, da -da -da. and like, you know, oh. um, yeah. to, to all the guys I was with. And then, but then by that night, so this is how quickly it was, by that night I was starting to bleed um, and I was bleeding um, out of my bum basically. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really not bad really not good yeah. really not bad really not good and um and then that was my first symptoms and little did i know that i was starting to hemorrhage from the inside oh, and then God. i went to the um, opening ceremony of the olympic games and i was meant to be um you know doing some work and i did one like live link earlier on the beach on copacabana and in between i just kept running again to the toilet and then i was being sick and it just got worse and this is all in 24 hours and then by the time i got to the opening uh, ceremony I couldn't even move from the chair. So I was just sat in the chair and I couldn't even go on TV or do anything, which is really unlike me. I mean, I've been on on TV where I've been sick in breaks. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had some sliders on TV, like all sorts. Um, so it, it was kind of, for me, not to be able to even speak, 
you know, it was there was something drastically wrong. Um, um, were the, but I was were the like, doctors around, or were you too busy just thinking, I've got to work here? Were you, were you yeah, kind of not focusing yeah. on yourself? Yeah, and that's just my, that's who I am. And, and yeah. it's something I'm trying to, to <laughs> not relearn because it's my character, but try and be yeah. a bit more aware of because a lot of the time I have, I have very little self-care. It's almost like, you know, I'd, well, I've, I've got a commitment. Like, I'm, I'm very like that. I'm a very, you know, I don't let people down. I, I'm really, like, people that know me or follow me will know how much, you know, my work means to me and how much passion I put into things. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just couldn't move. And then I was like, oh, I really need to go. But I was determined to watch Team GB come out. So I watched them come out. And then I was like, right, I need to go. And as I left, I went to the... Um, the toilets and I just ended up lying on the toilet floor for ages, just not being able to move. I was had blood, it was coming out of my mouth. Um, it was starting to come out of my nose. Yeah, it was like really, really bad. It was something out of a horror film. And, I, and you know, joke, I'm joking about it, but it, I was really distressed. Yeah. But, but, you know, I actually said this on Loose Women and Linda on Loose Women said to me, why on earth didn't you go and see a doctor? Like, are you idiot? And I was like, yeah, I have no idea because I didn't. I actually went back to where I was staying. Wait, when you and, got, I suppose yeah. you'd, you'd, you'd been, been unable to move on the toilet and then you, okay, so you, you found the energy to then continue and, whoa. I just took myself, yeah, I just took myself to to the place I was staying and just kind of was like, oh, well, let's hope I feel better in the morning and then just had like the worst night again, just lying on the toilet floor and then eventually I did take myself to to the doctor um but if i'd have left it any longer then i might not be speaking to you guys um because already it was uh, my kidneys had already failed um and oh. i was already hemorrhaging yeah really bad and then um it's a really long long story i don't think people have got hours i suppose they could press pause um yeah, don't worry, <laughs> and then the, start it again the next day honestly um, the, don't, don't worry about length and generally because that's i'm just turning the light on because um we people go for long runs with the podcast on so actually quite often it will be kind of two hours um a podcast so we'd rather hear a good story you know the, and then get the details than then cut things short to be honest so um gosh yeah yeah mine is a long story um yeah and then i basically went to the doctors and mm. um i actually got sent away the first time um because they said oh it just looks like you're severely dehydrated and the what? doctor you yeah, the the doctor luck with doctors do you and also <laughs> I know, but bearing in mind, nobody spoke English either. So it was lost in translation. And I think my problem as well is, even though I was half dying, <laughs> that I didn't know it at the time, I, I again, was probably convinced of myself, which probably convinced them that I was, oh, I was okay. just like, give me some pills yeah. or give yeah. me something. Like, I must have got a book. Cause I, and, and I also made the mistake, which I thought was a good thing, but now I look back, I said to them that I'd cycled 3,000 miles. Oh, so they yeah, automatically yeah. was like, oh, well, of course she's going to, you know, of course, you know, how could she? And that's almost what I thought. I thought that, well, how can I expect to be OK after doing that? So yeah. I started to almost convince myself that it was because I'd cycled all that way. But we've all had saddle soreness before that's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I had that as well. I mean, maybe it's never made you bleed out the yeah. mouth, though. Yeah. It's never, yeah, that's that's true. Why does it not be with you? What? <laughs> I've never I'm, had it that I'm a very unusual cyclist. Yeah, what, 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 what's really interesting? One bad saddle. What's really interesting about this story so far is that it, sometimes when these things like happen to people like this, and they'll go, "Yeah," and it's just you know, there were just weren't any warning signs, and. 
you've basically bled out of every <laughs> single orifice. Uh, okay. You can't move. Um, you're 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 basically shitting everywhere. And it, at, at this point, you're like, mm, it's probably yeah, it's probably just uh, just three thousand miles. I'm uh, I'm not I'm not sure that that's what most <laughs> happens to you're most other cyclists. Very clever right now, Charlie. <laughs> 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 not pretty observant. Oh, you're making me laugh because anybody that knows me will be laughing their head off. <laughs> what I'm like, I'm like, I could have a broken leg and I'd be like, I'm fine. I'll just drag it around. <laughs> um, I can be a little bit like that. But like I said, I'm, it's all, I'm learning. <laughs> um, at least I took myself to a doctor. I normally don't even do that. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is that, was I there a lot sort of person that literally time. has to be dragged to a doctor. Um, we, did you feel on? Under a lot of pressure as well to be having to get back out, back on the camera. I've got a job to do. Was that something at the forefront of your mind as well? Was that a bit of empathy from you there? <laughs> Not for empathy. Thank you. Gosh, <laughs> Rather than saying that I'm stupid. Um, no, no. Yeah, there was. Yeah, you're right. Like there were so many things. I am that kind of character, so I mm. think it is. It is who I am. Some, you know. I'm kind of I'm northern and it's almost I was brought up as in just get on with it and suck it up and hard work pays type of attitude and that's (laughs) that's kind of what I do um and yeah and and I'm again the sort of person that has to something has to stop me in my tracks to not do something Um, but at the same time I did feel the pressure of, of working and I also wanted to work and I felt the pressure of like you know we I'd signed quite a few decent contracts that we'd spent a couple of my, you know, age, my agent and and mm. and the people parties involved spent a long time, you know, getting those agreements in place because I had date clashes with different things. So it, it took a lot of hard work for people to make sure that I could do everything. And also, I just love what I do so much. And and it was gutting for me to, to yeah. think that I wasn't very well. And I hate, you know, and also for me, I, I worry about, I'm a worrier. So, you know, I was worried, oh, they're going to think I let, you know, they're going to think, that I'm letting them down, and, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not supposed. All, all these kind of things do go through my head, yeah. um, and they did go through my head, and 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 I just wanted to be back at. I wanted to be. I didn't want to be in hospital. Plus, I've never been properly in hospital, so it was a bit of a thing where I was like, oh, well, I'm, not, I don't understand. Like, you know, I'm never. It's not me. You know, I'm not. I don't, I don't know. It was almost like I, I felt like Ill, I was mate. a bit of an indestructible X man or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, and. But I think you have to have that attitude some, to, to do some of the things that maybe I've done. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think guess the psychologist can I, I have a field games. day on all that stuff. <laughs> but I guess in a way, though, I, I don't really think about it. I haven't really thought about it. Um, the Olympic Games, are they were your Olympic Games in, in some ways as well, isn't it? It is the biggest worldwide event to cover, you know, to race yeah. and to cover. So for you, it's as equally as big as it is to the athletes. Um, yeah, Absolutely. And I worked on 2012 and I, and it was amazing. It was a dream come true because I remember watching the 2008 Beijing Olympics thinking, you know, I, I, want, I want to go to an Olympics and I want to be involved from a broadcast perspective. Plus, when I was a kid, I wanted to go to the Olympics, but as a runner. So it was so many, you know, for me, it was a real passion project as well. But that didn't happen. None of it happened. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then eventually I got, um, uh, going back to the story, I got, uh you know taken into hospital um on the second time that i went back uh to the doctors because the second time i went back i could hardly walk and i could hardly breathe so i did actually take myself back was it the same guy 
No. <laughs> Thank <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, but I did have to, um, because bear in mind, like, um, big up the NHS. Actually, it's the NHS Heroes Awards, as we were recording this, that I went to last week. That's on TV right now. Um, because um, it, I actually had to put credit cards down for them oh. to even look at me or even uh, take any notice uh, of me. Okay. So mm. we are so lucky to have the NHS. Um, because I was on the other end of what it's like to be in a country that doesn't have, you know, the NHS. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, my first thing was I actually had to sign and give all my ID and credit cards before I was even looked at by a doctor. Oh, that's um, the last thing you want to do when you're, oh, yeah. when you're oh, ill. I, like, and, I mean, you just like, threw it at them. I was crying, <laughs> crying my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Fix me. I just threw them on the table. <laughs> I was like, yeah, take it take it and then i like remember having my head i literally had my head on the desk trying to sign a bit of paper and i have no idea what i'm signing i didn't even care i was just like whatever sign it and then and it's crazy when you know we put value on again being serious we put value on on so many things but when you're in that situation it none of it matters at all like none of it matters it's made me think so many things like the only thing that thing that i cared about when i was like i could have signed my house my 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 my, yeah. any bit of financial stuff I own and I wouldn't have cared a, a dot you know just to get the help basically because I knew at that point it kind of <laughs> it took a couple of days like you said um, not giving myself a good reputation here but it finally I think hit me that something was seriously, seriously wrong that I was you know I was actually I know it sounds weird but I was taking pictures of the stuff that was coming out the blood to show look i'm bleeding i'm bleeding because yeah. they weren't understanding because bearing in mind you know like i said earlier they don't speak english um yeah and then i was actually taken into hospital um but then i then <laughs> gets worse i was left for a couple of days um kind of nobody knew what was going on um and i was in a really not nice hospital i kind of had just a curtain wrapped around me and and i was kind of covered in my own sick and um yeah, it wasn't very were you, nice. Were you receiving the treatment that you were meant to be receiving then, or were you just receiving some treatment that might that wasn't right? Um, I was just on drips, and um, they were trying to get something to calm, to basically stop myself from being sick. Because by that point, I was it by, out of both ends. It just could, it was uncontrollable, and I just yeah. was being sick constantly, and blood was just pouring out of my mouth. And they were trying to get things to control it. So at that point, it was to just try and control. And also, I was in a lot of pain. Like, I, like I was in the most horrific amount of pain. Um, so they were, trying, like, constantly trying to give me pain medication um, because it was, like, pain that, that you need to scream. I mean, you know, going back to your question earlier about the malaria symptoms, like, once mm. it kicks in, you have convulsions, um, and, it, and it's like somebody stabbing you repeatedly, and it, and it causes your eyes to roll back in the back of your head and almost fit. Um, and that's what started to happen. So they were just giving me control medication, but they didn't know I'd got malaria and they weren't, they didn't test me for it um, yeah. because they found like a bacterial uh, thing that I'd also got. Oh. And again, get, I don't want to make it too complicated, but they yeah. did find a bacterial thing. So they were like, oh my God, you've got this, you know, bacterial thing. And we're trying to uh, like, you know, just like calm it all down and, and everything. Um, did you have then, anyone there with you? No, no. For the, yeah. Oh, God. The first day I had a guy, um, that Paul, bless him, he did the cycle and he stayed with me for the first day and he stayed with me for the first night. He slept on the floor, um, but then he had to go. And then after that, um, 
yeah, just was on my own until my mum flew over. But then I had to be transferred to a different hospital because um, the basically the doctor pulled the curtain back and said, um, I think this was on the third day, and I was in a really bad state there. I was starting to go in and out of consciousness, and um, you know, I was just I could I couldn't even speak. Um, and they said that's when they said to me, we need to move you to another hospital. Um, to get you on dialysis machine we don't have one here and we need to get you intensive care you're dying and that and wow. I was like yeah so um and, and before he'd said that did you still think oh this is all right I'll get through this just yeah <laughs> I was actually texting my agent <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me you're making me you're actually highlighting this more than anybody else has. <laughs> um, um, I was actually texting my agent going just tell them tell them I'll be in the next day I've just got to stay one more night and I actually kept saying to the doctors um, in like like I speak Spanish so I was like trying to speak Spanish to them even though they speak Portuguese and trying to change it to Portuguese and cross between <laughs> English to try and communicate with them and I kept saying to them like when are you going to let me out when are you going to let me out and I kept texting my agent going just just put them off just put them off put them off one more day I'll be fine I'll be fine don't let don't don't let them give it to somebody else and I was literally still doing yeah. that up until the then they, when they said that to me and also I think by that point I'd I'd just dumped the phone and people thought oh my god she's gone missing and people trying to get hold of me and I wasn't really answering any calls because I was so bad mm -hmm. um yeah and then then it was then that I, I mean you know if I'm really honest I broke down and I kind of went into well my mum needs to be called um you know people need to be informed like what's going to happen to me where are you going to take me and I actually went I kind of broke down but did it in a very um I kind of went into like survival, survival yeah. Yeah. yeah and 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 i and i started to ask questions and then i was like so when are you going to get my dialysis machine what do you mean i'm dying why am i dying they were like, we don't know we can't find we've we've found this hemolytic uremic syndrome which basically means that it meant that i'd got um uh, like my my red blood i'd got no red blood cells and that was all the hemorrhaging and and then my kidneys had failed and my pancreas had failed my colon had failed so everything was kind of failing from kind of bottom up really um and See, yeah, and then so this is, this is why JD hates cycling. I don't know. This is this is <laughs> don't do it. Cycling's bad. You never go to Brazil. This is yeah. <laughs> but, um, and so did so when you when you got to the next hustle, did did it feel like it was like, like right? This is going to be right now. No, no. Like when I got to the um, next hospital, like. Uh, I, I knew that things weren't all right um, and because as soon as I got there um, I was kind of rushed through and I had to again sign some papers um, thank god the NHS again um, and um, and then uh, actually I wasn't allowed in that hospital until my travel insurance kicked in so actually there was a I think a whole day's wait until I was allowed in the hospital and because they she wouldn't even day. take me yeah oh my god. and bear in mind I needed dialysis like urgently then, oh my god! Yeah, and and if I'd have got on dialysis quicker, then I might have, but like my kidneys might have recovered a bit better, and yeah. because I had a long time with you no know, dialysis, and um, so yeah, so again, the next lesson: <laughs> take anti-malaria tablets and get travel insurance. Because I don't know, you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have travel insurance, basically. Yeah. Or my whole family and myself would be bankrupt. Um, and, and when you said, were you having to make, was, were people from your side having to call up the travel insurance and then say, look, explain things? And was that admin as well? Or? Um, no, I was, I was kind of trying to do it with the doctors because at this oh, point, yeah. 
um, like somebody was trying to get hold of my mum and they couldn't get hold of my mum because she was like in somewhere with no signal. So my brother was try- got hold of and then my brother was trying to get hold of her and then um, and then the insurance wouldn't accept the letter because it was in Portuguese, so it had to get translated. Oh, my oh, God. Honestly. <laughs> like, oh. oh, I just cry. Honestly, yeah, it but, was very much like that. But and, um, at this then, point, at this point, you still didn't know you had malaria. No, you didn't know you had malaria. No, no, oh no! Like they didn't find I had malaria until like nearly two weeks after this. What? Like, and is, yeah. Is is that because it's it's just so unlikely or unexpected or hard to test, or would they just? No, should... it's not hard to test. So that's mm. important. It's completely treatable and testable, which is mm. like some of the campaigning work I've been doing. Um, it's just that I think with me, I think there's a lot of things because, you know, I don't want to blame the doctors because the doctors saved my life and they yeah. really did. Um, but I think they were testing for so many other things. And I think, for example, at the time, Zika was in the press all the time. Yeah. So, you know, Zika was at the forefront uh, of their yeah. minds. So they were testing for Zika repeatedly. And I think sometimes it's just what's, you know, what, you know, when Ebola, people are tested for Ebola. Like, I think I was tested for that as well. So I think... It's it sometimes what it's what's in the press at the time and and yeah kind of what's were, trendy. They, I mean, like yeah. it literally, I have a file of everything they tested me for. Yeah, what's trendy? Malaria wasn't trendy at the time. Um, yeah, and they tested me for so many different things. But also, I think it's the fact that in Rio there isn't malaria cases. You know, they didn't even have the ability to test me in Rio. Oh, they really? had to send off my blood to somewhere else. Yeah, because they Is that didn't even you cycled have so far. No, well, I don't like it. Well, I mean, we did cycle a long way, but in the sense that, you know, it's just not somewhere that, like in Rio, there isn't uh, malaria. So in Brazil, yeah. there is some places where they're malaria free and some which are higher risk, which, you know, it, it, it tends to be the way that malaria is higher in rural areas because yeah. high, death, higher death rates because, you know, mosquitoes. Um, you know, go around stagnant water and things like that, and there's no air conditioning and no houses. And but you like thought, that. though, if you could catch it and get into the capital cycling, that there must be cases where people fly in or in, in trains, you know, driving, and the same things are happening. So it's quite, it sounds quite unusual that they wouldn't have it, really. Um, I mean, I don't know, to be honest. Um, mm. But I, I think you know there just some places there just isn't an awareness i mean like for example mm. if you went into hospital in england they wouldn't test you for malaria is the first yeah, thing but I if guess, you went yeah. into hospital in uganda they'd probably mm. test you for malaria is the first thing so i yeah. think it's very much dependent on you know I, do, I don't think they have where i was there was a couple of malaria cases but rio is so far away from the north of brazil if you think of brazil is like bigger than europe mm. yeah you know like we cycled down brazil and it took as long and it was a longer distance than when i cycled down the whole of europe you know that's how big their landmass is and and you know in, in rio it's something that i mean they would you know if i got zika they probably would have tested it straight away because yeah. they did test for zika but i didn't um and it was actually um by this point um i was already put in an induced coma because uh, i was given 24 hours to live um which anybody that remembers it in the press i think that's what was then the press picked up on and it was true like i was given 24 hours to live and my mum was flown over basically to you know um cool. sign me away onto a life support machine basically to try and keep me alive and that's that was the thing because it was so bad that like all my organs failed and my lungs lapsed so i couldn't breathe so i had to be put on a vet couldn't breathe by myself so i had to be put on a ventilator and then um they also said that 
um, they thought I was severely brain damaged because um, it was eating away into the brain. So I was having hemorrhaging in the brain as well. So that's what malaria does. Like I said in the beginning, it kind of goes from, you know, the kidney area and then right up into your, to your brain and eats through your blood. And then I was so having, did, like, repeated blood transfusions. And did you know, did, did, were you told you had kind of 24 hours to live? Or at this stage, were you too far no, gone, I didn't really? Know. Yeah, I didn't know. I was basically, I was put in a coma, and I didn't know I was put, being put in a coma. So my yeah. mum decided not to tell me. Um, so I saw my mum. My mum landed, and I saw her, um, you know, for an hour before they put me in the coma because she had to sign and agree for them to put me in and induce me in a coma. And... Um, and yeah, and I remember seeing her and it was one of the oh, most horrific wow. times of my yeah. life because people might think, oh, well, was it not comforting? And it wasn't because, I mean, bless my mum, of course I needed her there. But what I mean was lying there in a situation and I couldn't breathe. I was being given oxygen and I was like, I was breathing like this. <laughs> like that's how little air I could get in. Mm. And, and I was hooked up to everything. I was on dialysis. I had tubes in my neck. I had, you know, and, and, and I knew then that, you know at that point things were going through my head like 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 I'm gonna die I'm gonna die and you know god I can't I can't believe this I can't believe I fought this hard for my life and now I'm gonna die what am I gonna say to my mom like you know who do I need to, to like I literally was starting to at that point I wasn't going you know I was start. it was hitting me so when my yeah. mom walked in and I saw the look on her face like it broke my heart like it absolutely oh wasn't a it broke my heart because I saw how much I, I just said I'm sorry it was the first thing I said to her I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, because also before I set off on the cycle ride, she said to me, I took her to as a surprise to Madrid for the weekend because I used to live in Madrid. And then, and she deserves being spoiled. She's had a tough time. And then, and she said to me, I don't, I, I've got a bad feeling about this cycle ride. How weird is that? She actually said that to me before we went. And so I remember when she walked in the room and I just, I just said, I'm sorry because I, I just, like, it just hurt me so much that I was hurting yeah. her. Um, yeah. and that's the last thing I remember before being put in the coma um, uh, yeah. yeah but she decided she made the decision not to tell me that's what they were going to do and then I was put on a life support machine um, yeah and then it took another um, 10 days before I eventually was tested for malaria and by that point I was aggressively resuscitated as well um, and they said that I wasn't going to survive the night and it I was actually uh, on a last minute whim I think somebody got hold of my well I know somebody got hold of my records because my records were sent all to different places to try and you know try and have a last go at trying to keep me alive and then because you know the kind of doctors were getting desperate and then um, and my mum tells like it, you know some good stories about them you know running in and out and um, just desperately trying to do everything to, to keep me alive and put me through full of stuff and um, yeah and somebody looked in America looked at my case and the specialist and said, you know, test for malaria, test for malaria. Why know this should not be tested for malaria? And then um, Dr. Celia, who was amazing, um, she tested me for malaria and it came back positive. And literally it was, if she hadn't have tested me, then I definitely wouldn't be here. Um, so, and then, then they quickly tried to find some treatment for me because they obviously don't really have the treatment either. Yeah. And then, um, and then they just tried, they just put me for the treatment to see if I'd react. And, and then they started to see signs from me. And so they kept the, and at this point they were going to turn the machine off as well. So it was like, so, so much, you know, I don't know whether it was God or, or fate or, you know, so, or 
just luck. There were so many things that kind of yeah. intervened for me to like be sat here talking to you both. And and so when you, I guess when you next came around, you've been resuscitated yeah. and told. Um, at, at what point, like how long was it until you actually thought maybe I'll be all right? Um, well, when I was in the coma, I could um, hear everything that was going on. Really? Um, yeah. Which oh, wow. Has led to a lot of. I'm writing a book about it at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to let you know when it comes out. Um, Did you discover any secrets? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I might have done. Been to the other side. <laughs> Come on, you're still you're this like. I'm telling you, who's paying you? You're trying to get some exclusives out. Were there any like, like ex-boyfriends oh, who came and said, "I always, lo- I always loved you. <laughs> if we, if you, if you survive, let's get married." Or... <laughs> uh, um, no. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, was it like? Charlie, I, I know you're not going to make it through, but it was me that stole those biscuits that you got in trouble for when you were seven. Or, so there's no revelations like that. No, 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 no ex-boyfriends appeared, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but there was some, there was a lot of things that happened. Um, you know, I think I, I, maybe it's not so well known, but I, I think... I, when people are in a coma that the last thing to go is or an life support machine is the hearing um, and I think a few people know that but I think it's not many people survive to tell the tale I suppose and um, there was actually a woman I met it's a heartbreaking story a couple of weeks ago and her her son actually she was Brit- her son was British um, he actually died of malaria um, and I think there are there are a lot like the more I've looked into it there are a lot of cases Mm. I mean, there's loads of cases of uh, people that live in high endemic areas of, of malaria, but there also are cases of, of people that don't live in these countries that come back and, and, and end up, you know, passing away or getting severe malaria. And and I was telling her that, I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just saying, oh, yeah, when I, it, you know, it was my mom, I feel, that kept me alive because I could hear her in the coma and she just burst into tears. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I felt so bad because her son hadn't survived. And she was like, no. Like, she was like, that's the best thing anybody's ever told me. And I'm so glad I met you because now I know that he knew that that we fought for him. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I, I could hear my mom. And I think maybe it's a comfort for people out there. I'm not, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I could definitely hear her. And I could sense when she was in the room and my brain waves, the doctors can back it up as well because my brain waves were very non-existent when she wasn't in the room um, and that's when they thought I was brain damaged but every time she went in the room my brain waves like went crazy and I could sense that she was there obviously I couldn't see because I was yeah. completely you know in a coma um, but yeah I could like so that was the main thing I could hear her so much and 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 I desperately wanted to fight for her and I could hear the doctors, which was also distressing because I could hear them saying that I, <laughs> that I wasn't there anymore. And I was mm. like, yeah, I am. And and that was really, it's like that locked in. Um, yeah. And it was God, horrific. Like a bad it, dream, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's like, the, it's like being, it's like torture. It was, yeah. it was horrific. Like I get, you know, I, I was treated for PTSD when I came out of hospital because I was getting horrific nightmares where I couldn't sleep um, because every time I, thought I was going to die every time I fell asleep and it was just it was just awful but at the same time um you know the doctors also say that's one of the things that kept me 
alive and also kept my brain working so I didn't get full, you know, brain damage. Um, If your mum hadn't been there, then you might not have made it through then. Yeah, yeah, honestly, because I was fighting so much because I Mm. desperately wanted to live. But I did have a crazy near-death experience, um, yeah, which I'm writing about. And um, I feel like I made a choice to to live. I feel like if I'd have just let go and given in that I would I would have died because I could feel I, I you know I could feel it and I knew that I was uh, you know I'd I was in the most horrific amount of pain even though I was in a coma and um, you're not kind of well I wasn't just in a you know well, nice floaty sleep <laughs> when you say you you were fighting though like you made a conscious decision like what would what what does that really mean because obviously if I'm physically fighting in a boxing match, I'm throwing fists, but if you're kind of trapped and it's just, you're there mentally, what, how did you feel you were fighting? Like, were there some things you were trying to do? Or did you almost have this, these choices that you thought you were taking or? Yeah. Um, so obviously my body was completely, you know, it was pretty much dead. A machine was keeping it alive. And I was also, you know, fully sedated and paralyzed um, so I was also given a paraly- paralysis and I was even like um, like restrained and, and locked down so I couldn't move anything. And um, But in my head, it was almost like my head was, my brain was so alive and it was desperately trying to, you know, like say if you were falling asleep and you're desperately trying to keep keep your eyes open. Yeah. Um, like I know that's probably a poor example, but it was kind of that like, Trying, trying to fight to keep the concentration to, to hear and not just let yourself fall asleep. It was mm. almost like that. You know, that's maybe the nearest thing I can explain it to somebody mm. um, that hasn't been in that situation. And also, there was points where I could hear the doctors talking to me, but obviously I couldn't reply. And I remember one um, doctor saying to me, um, <laughs> they, they pronounced my name, Talot. Um, they were like, because you know, obviously people call me Charlie and I've always been called Charlie, but I'm Chris and Charlotte. So like, it was like, Charlotte, um, you know, you're, you're very ill, dear. Um, I know darling, she called me, um, you know, we're doing everything we can. And, and I was desperately trying to respond, but obviously I couldn't, but I mm. didn't know that because I didn't know I was in a coma. I just, you know, thought I couldn't respond. So I, so what I mean by fighting is I was like literally inside myself going, you idiot just respond just say something just say something what's wrong with you and i was like come on tell them that you're there tell them that you know tell them tell them so it was like that that's oh, what i mean God. by fighting like i was actually fighting but verbally i suppose and mentally and 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 every time my mum came in it was like show her come on like show her that you know she's there ah and were there times oh, when you did stressing me out I'm telling you were there, were there times that's when you... it was like all the time did you ever like, think I am dreaming or were you always like, no, no this is OK? No, it's completely different. And anybody that's been in a coma and because I do know people that have had near death experiences. because I've been doing some research on it because um, I've made a pilot for a documentary around near death experiences. Mm. And they say all say the same. And it was the same for me. It's not a dream. It's not dreamlike state. Mm. You, you know, like, you know, that was me. That wasn't a dream. That was me just inside myself desperately Mm. trying to fight in a in a in a nearly dead body like that was me and it wasn't dream and it was so i mean i could you know i could draw it for you i could describe it to you i could word Mm. for word say it to you i could word for word talk about conversations i had things i saw and Mm. they're like as if they're memories rather than a dream it's a completely different yeah 
yeah and and so um you your mum kind of kept you i guess mentally fighting and then things started to, to turn a corner um when you finally kind of became aware and were no longer um in that coma what was your how did you feel when you came out on the other side um well it, i think i felt i'm trying to you know there's a few i remember like my mom said to me the 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 first thing i said and did was um oh mom there's so many tubes <laughs> and then i then i remember i remember saying to my brother are the Olymp- is the Olympics still on? Yeah. <laughs> call my agent. <laughs> yeah. I thought, yeah. Like, one more day. Yeah, yeah, one more day, one more day. We're going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but by the time I came out, it had finished. And, and funnily enough, I had like no concept of time because when I was told, mm. I was told it was the 20-something of August and, and the last memory I have was it, was it being the 7th. Mm. You know, so... I, um, and I and I think that when I first came out of the coma, again, I think people have this like I have noticed that it's this weird perception like that. Oh well, I, you're all right then. And it's like no, like when I came out of the coma, I was still on a breathing machine. I still couldn't breathe for myself. Um, I couldn't swallow. Um, I was being fed through a tube. I was on like you know, I was on all sorts of uh, different drugs and tubes and I was on dialysis and I was still being sick and they were still trying to treat it it wasn't like you know it's just that I was well enough to to come out of the coma mm. and um and they and they tried you know it, they, it took them like three days I think to fully bring me out so you don't just come out either you have to gradually come out um and um there was times when I had like quite severe la- lack of oxygen to the brain um mm. so then they put you back in again um because you're not well enough to come out so it was like a long it was a process and um, yeah 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 yeah. and um and I just I was just really I was really upset and really distressed so it wasn't you know it wasn't like I came out and I was like oh my god thank god I'm alive you know I was just and I was still in so much pain and they still didn't know whether you know what 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 the future was going to be like and um, you know, they didn't know whether I'd be able to walk again and all these things because I had so much damage, um, you know, so it was kind of like day by day. And and also I was just really upset all the time. I just remember being upset and, and, and I, you know, it was awful. It was as awful also waking up because you're just lying there and, and I couldn't move anything. I was, I was, you know, I weigh about nine stone and I was 16 stone because I was pumped full of so much stuff. So I couldn't oh. even move, yeah. Like yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And um, so, you know, you can't move, and and it was just awful. And also, you me- remember, I was in Brazil. I wasn't in my own home country, yeah. and you know, it was just my mom. And um, I mean, my agent was there for a time, and my brother, and then the rest of the time it was just my mom. Um, so it wasn't like you know I had all my friends there or anything. It was just you know, and and I don't know. I mean, like I'm really grateful for for the Brazilian doctors I really am and like I'm in touch with some of them but at the same time you know I wanted to be looked after by you know in my own country in my own home there's just a lot of little things that um that you find reassuring and some of it could just be like an English cup of tea some of it is sitting on your couch some of it is food you like some of it is watching 
uh, what's a uh, pointless or and if you've got none of those i guess they're all little <laughs> oh come on that would, be, that would have been lovely wouldn't it at five o'clock you'd be like at least pointless is on but, um but it's small things like that i think really help give you um just reassurance and comfort and just make things feel a bit yeah. more normal and also they didn't speak the language so all the mm. nurses that were caring for me um i have got a funny story actually one of the nurses um it's so funny because you're in this like desperate situation but there's so much like when me and my mum talk about it we're like oh do you remember that oh it's so funny <laughs> and it's like cause I remember my brother like constantly like you know I was saying I was like uh, 16 stone and he was like oh look at your club hand it's massive it's like <laughs> my left hand they call my, my club hand and and he'd be like calling me Miguel because I had so many blood transfusions and it's just like you know I don't know it's like the cute comedy in 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 distress right yeah then, but then yeah you were saying about like comfort like you know never mind tipping point like the nurses didn't even it's tipping point or pointless. I'm thinking of Ben Shepherd. That's why I was thinking of tipping point. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like, you know, they didn't even speak the language. So, you know, there was no kind of bedside manner or comforting yeah. nurses, which we need, you, we really need. And I didn't have any of that. And, you know, I was constantly having to be changed. Um, you know, I was just lying there basically like a, you know, a, you know, I was just a, a body, really. I couldn't move myself, so they had to roll me over. And, and But there was one nurse called Raphael who literally, honestly, I don't know what I'd have done if it hadn't been for him. He didn't speak any English at all. And, we, and he kept using Google Translate. And he started to try and teach me, like, some Portuguese. And there was one morning where it was probably, I don't know, five, six in the morning. And I was really distressed. I was, I was really crying and I couldn't stop being sick. And I was panicking. Um, because yeah. I, was, I wasn't breathing very well because I was still on an oxygen machine. And then, um, and and I'd got like, you know, we've talked a lot about poo, so I might as well carry on talking about poo. Um, like <laughs> I'd got a lot of poo everywhere and like some of the tubes, because I'd got tubes into my groin and some of the tubes had got infected and they had to do like an operation on my neck and I was really upset because I'd had enough, you know, I was in so much yeah. pain, I just had enough. And then, um, and he just went, Beyonce. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> he just went, Beyonce. <laughs> you can imagine the scenario like lying there and you're like I was like he goes Beyonce and I was like yeah and he kind of like gave me a thumbs up and he was like yes Beyonce and then he put on all single ladies, all single ladies <laughs> on his phone really loud to try and cheer me up and so he, he was like rolling me over and like cleaning all this poo around the tubes at the same time as we were listening to Beyonce single ladies <laughs> it was so bad. and then he got told off by an older nurse for actually for having his phone on and playing me music it was quite oh, poor Raphael. I know he's an amazing guy <laughs> um, and so you've um because well I mean you're you're now well when I when I last saw you, you seemed fully rehabilitated, and it, it might be that that's just you, know, you putting on a, a brave face. Um, I'm hoping that you're you're fully back to to running. I mean, and how was how was have you gone from being in that bed to to now really? Um, it's been a long a long recovery in my head, but mm. the doctors say it hasn't. Like they say, it's been a miracle recovery because even when I did when I did you know survive and they were like right she's gonna live um you know there was uh, there was all sorts of problems that people don't know about that 
you know, uh, that that were the kind of is it is is it not going to work? Is she going to be able to? You know, all these questions. Um, but I was determined, and I think to me, like when I, because I was in hospital for two months, so mm. I had to relearn learn how to walk again and. But I said to, I was, you know, there was an NHS physio because eventually I did get repatriated from Brazil to um, England and I had to be put in a hospital for another month in England. Mm. I was flown back on a medical plane and I said to the physio, you know, come on, you've got you've got to help me, give me some things, even if it's just, you know, moving my wrist or whatever. And then because at that point, I, you know, I still couldn't move or anything. I was shaking all the time. And, and then when I did get out of hospital, I had to go and live with my mum. And my mum had to shower me and take me to the toilet because I couldn't do any of that. And for me, I I felt that I could have gone the other way. I could have, because I, I, I felt like I lost my identity because I didn't recognise what I was anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and at that time, they didn't know what the outcome were, was. And something just was in my head that I was like, you know, I've survived this for a reason and I'm goddamn going to make sure I can try and, give my, help myself and every single day you know despite the fact that you know I was in such a bad state every single day I gave myself something whether it was just being able to um text a friend because I also was suffering like you know from severe post-traumatic stress disorder and I was feeling very depressed and yeah. um, and people might think oh gosh well you know, you should be so grateful you're alive. And it's like, well, after you've gone through two months of hell and yeah. being so close to death, um, I was grateful to be alive, but I didn't know what that meant anymore. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it was hard to, it's hard to just ignore the stresses of that situation. And, um, and, and so at that time, did you have a, a future vision of yourself fully healed and back to normal or were you did were you almost preparing for a future vision of yourself that was dramatically reduced in function I think at the time I couldn't have a future vision of myself because it just it was just too much for me to cope Mm. with mentally so I think for me it was just about getting through each day and the targets were the you know I had to daily go back into hospital and get tested and it was those targets you know, so it was like, you know, I'm a huge believer, you know, in everything in life. And it's the way I, I, I run my life now. Um, you know, for example, I'm writing a book. Um, you know, I can't just randomly write a book. You know, there's got to be small goals that you've got to achieve within that. And I'm a huge believer in doing those small goals to achieve the big goal. Um, because I think sometimes it's so overwhelming. Life can be so yeah, overwhelming. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it is. It's so overwhelming to think how on earth can I get from you know, and it's the same in hospital. We had to take one day at a time because otherwise I, I just don't know how I would have coped. And, and mm-hmm. I didn't, so I didn't have that vision of myself because I had no idea what it was going to look like um, or, or where I was going to be. Because at the time, my, you know, my kidneys weren't working. Um, you know, I was still, really, I was learning how to walk again. I still couldn't eat, you know, all these different things. I had like literally no oxygen in my blood and um, you know, at the time I was being tested for HIV AIDS as well because I had blood transfusions. Mm. So who knows if I had, I don't, but, you know, I might have had HIV. So it was, it was mm. so, there was so many different things that, again, mm. I think, you know, it wasn't just as simple as, oh, I came out, you know, I, I came out of hospital having had malaria. Like, you know, it was so severe and I had so many complications and problems, um, you know, and, and some of that even, you know, like I said, the blood transfusions, you know, because I had blood transfusions abroad, you know, all mm. that kind of stuff. So for me, it was just one was day at a time. Still yeah. coming yeah. even. And also I was outside. having, 
yeah, and I was having problems um, with my speech and I couldn't see properly and I still had hemorrhaging in the brain. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I just couldn't cope with it that way. And, and, and I, and I really do believe that's a, a great thing for, for everybody to take, you know, you know, for example, even running a marathon, that's a great example. You, you can't go, you know, you start off and it's like 26 miles and <laughs> you don't think 26 miles because otherwise you're like, Oh my God, you know, it's yeah. take it, you take yeah. it into sections. And that's how I, I suppose I did it. Um, you know, and was just like small little goals, like being able to shower myself for the first time was like amazing. And again, it just, it just brings back to, it just takes you back to what really matters, you yeah. know, and, I, mm. and, and also just, you know, I remember making it outside for the first time and I just burst out into tears and I felt the sun on my face for the first time. I don't think I've been outside for like three months. You know, that feeling was just the best feeling in the world. And it's like, I, I, you know, wish we could all, experience those feelings and I think we'd be like oh my god life is all right <laughs> you know I think if we kind of stripped it back a little bit well it's, I mean, it's also that it sounds like there's all the constant battle between pessimism and optimism really because there's so many things good and bad with every day yeah and I think actually just you've made a great point because also I think it's really important you know I'm somebody said to me god you're like the most optimistic person i've ever met and i was like oh yeah but i i like i you know you don't always have to be like that and i think it's really yeah. important that we go because i'm learning this because i think for me i was always a bit like oh i have to try and find the positive in everything um, and i think sometimes that's because i was scared you know and actually to admit that maybe there is a negative and actually what i've learned and it's really important that it's okay to be upset and it's okay to have a negative and uh, you know not everything is is rosy and nor it should be because otherwise that's not life and we can't experience these things and you know some of the things I've been through there's no way I'd be able to to be who I am now if I hadn't have been through those things not that I'm saying that I'm grateful for, for what happened in Rio but mm. you know at the same time it's like well you know I've got things to thank for that because I wouldn't be you know, I went and made a film in Uganda about malaria and I wouldn't be able to talk about malaria the way I can and hopefully help people and be in a situation where I can be part of the the eradication of malaria. I wouldn't, you know, be able to do that if that hadn't have mm. happened to me. And I think, you know, our, neg our negative experiences make us who we are and make us be able to have those optimistic times as well. That's a long-winded way of saying it's okay to feel like shit because everybody does. And was there was yeah, there a particular think, sorry I was there was there was there a particular moment so you talked about them like having a shower for the first time and um, going going outside but was there a particular moment like where you thought everything's going to be okay like you you just thought sorry I just, what just thought the just, sorry, I just was it was it your first solid poo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! This is wonderful. This is. Sorry, it's a good job. Out of the whole family, the whole family, <laughs> celebrating. No, but yeah. actually, it's like oh the my gosh! Child. But actually, actually, you just reminded me that it wasn't. We did celebrate when I was in hospital when I had a wee for the first time, like because I didn't wee for so long because obviously I had like 
um, a, I had a catheter in and I had a kidney problem. So, mm. like, the first time I actually went to the toilet myself and my own kidneys, there was a big celebration. I was like, oh, my God, I had a <laughs> And then, like, when people came to visit me, they were like, have you been to the toilet today? And I'm like, no, I haven't been to the toilet. And he was like, oh, my God, come on. Like, let's do, like, a wee dance around the hospital bed or something to make you go to the toilet. Because, basically, if I went to the toilet on my own, that meant that my kidneys were starting to work. Um, yeah. But we didn't celebrate my first solid poo. I can't actually remember. <laughs> I'm not Maybe sure. I'm still waiting. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to see the photo stream on your camera, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've got when a feeling. Out I've got a really feeling. Unusual me. necklace. <laughs> <laughs> there is some photos actually on my phone um, of pictures of, of toilet when I first was ill to show what was happening. <laughs> so yeah, and they're actually still on my phone. I should probably like store them somewhere. Worst thing is look folder. Gonna, at some point Worst you're going to be doing Instagram presentation. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to be giving a couple of presentation where it's going to go into auto shuffle of your computers. Yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> oh. But sorry, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you. Um, but hang on, what question did you actually ask me? You asked me what was the, was it a moment when I thought it was all going to be all right? Yeah, when it, there was like a like a breakthrough moment where you thought mm. right, this is this is this is it. Everything's going to be okay. I want to get back to. Or was this, it was, or even something a breakthrough thing you were targeting? Yeah. Like if I can um, get. Yeah, I mean, the what I don't think there was anything specific where I was like, um, "Oh, it's going to be all right now." Because, I mean, I think, you know, I remember go, rolling it back actually, like when I first landed in England and I, mm. you know, was taken out on a stretcher out of the medical plane, and um, I was, um, I landed in Leeds. And um, like the the ambulance guy and woman, like the guy said to me, um, "Oh, you're you're going to be all right, love. You know, we, we've got you." And I was like, just to hear like a Yorkshire accent. Yeah. But for that that moment, I that made me think, actually, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to live. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's kind of rolling it back. But I suppose what you're asking is is like from a kind of later perspective. I don't think there was a particular moment because. Like I said, I kind of set these little goals and I do remember doing live TV for the first time and that massive, I mean, to be honest, I was told by the doctors that I wasn't ready, but guess what I did? <laughs> I ignored it. Great. Um, terrible listening skills coming back into play I, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's that selective hearing that I have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have very good listening skills. It's whether I want to listen. And is that is <laughs> my there an accent? Is there um, yeah, an accent I, that if the guy had said, don't worry, you're in good hands, is there an accent that you'd have thought, oh, shit. <laughs> Brazilian, Brazilian. Brazilian. Brazilian accent, because I'd have been like, we didn't even fucking take no, off. <laughs> no. Um, no, I love all accents. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I I don't know, like probably, yeah, I would have probably broke down and possibly punched somebody if I had the energy, if it was a Brazilian accent. Um, not that I have anything against Brazil, but I just needed to be yeah. home. Um, um, but no, I, you don't get me starting to slag accents off. <laughs> <laughs> and so with, um, I mean, sports, obviously, you said you've been a runner since you're a child. So, um, you're doing this monster cycle. How long was that a priority with the recovery? Or was that something that you almost didn't dare to, to dream of? Um, no, it was a priority. I remember... Um, like when they said to me that um, my kidneys might never recover, mm. um, like the first thing that came to my head was, 
Like, am I going to be able to run again? And I did say that to them. And they were like, one step at a time. There's <laughs> um, one step at a time, Charlie. Like, and I was like, yeah, but will I be? Because also, you know, I, you know, I lost all my, I had complete muscle wastage and um, I had a lot of problems going on. I had problems in my lungs as well um, because they were, didn't work for so long. I had to have like a lot of therapy on my lungs because I had so much uh, fluid on them. And I still wasn't breathing properly, even even you know months down the line. Um, and I was also on beta blockers because I had problem um, with my blood pressure because of my heart and all this stuff. And because of the pressure, my heart was under. And I kept saying, and it was a priority because for me, um, and you know, I was very grateful that you know I was alive. And and but to me, like quality of life is really really important. And also. Being able to run is so important to me because it's my crutch and it's my coping mechanism. And mm. actually, when I didn't have it, you know, this was like one of the, like, you know, possibly the hardest time in my life. And, you know, when I was recovering, running, you know, whenever I've got something I need to work through, I go for a run. And mm. not being able to do that, I was, it made me realize how much I actually rely on running and exercise because um, I had to try and find therapy, I suppose, in other ways and things to help me cope. Um, because that's all the, what I'd always done and it's what I've always done and, and, and what I still do now. So it was really important to me. And also I just, I love it and it means so much to me to be able to, I remember the first time I properly ran and I just broke down crying because I was like, w- w- not with sadness, but with relief that yeah. like I, and I only ran for about, <laughs> and it was, it was poor excuse for a run. It was like a very slow plod. Um, but, and I ran for probably about, I think it was six to seven minutes um, and I was, I was going <laughs> like that and, you know, my legs were all over the place and I just broke down and it was a relief, a release and a gratefulness that like I have all my, I, you know, I have my limbs, I have, you know, my, my brain still works and I'm so lucky because to me, like running isn't, you know, about, you know, I love competition and I'm really competitive as you might have guessed, but at the same time to me, running's like, running's everything because to me, because it's, it's my it's the, my time to think. It's a release of stress. It's a release of like I'm quite a high, high energy person, so it's a release of energy and stress. But also, it's like freedom, and mm. and and you know f- the feeling of alive when I when I feel alive, and that meant means more to me now than it's ever meant to me. But it meant a lot to me as a kid because when I was a kid, I used running for the same thing. Like you know, um, I came from a, a a fairly difficult background, and um, it just helped me so much when I ran um, to be able to cope with things and made me feel better about myself, made me believe in myself. You know, these things that I'm sure a lot of people listening to will, will understand because there's all the reason why we run and do these <laughs> sometimes crazy things. Um, mm. And, you know, I think people that have been through stuff do use running to help them. I think a lot of ultramarathon runners have been through things and then they, they help and they use endurance running to help them through adversities yeah. and help them cope. And that's what it always meant to me. So, yeah. It was re- it was a real important thing to me to be able to run again, and I it took me ages. Honestly, I remember like, and I was trying so hard, and then I'd get really upset and I'd beat myself up about it. But then it got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, like you're doing so well, it's okay, you know, stop beating yourself up because all the doctors were like trying to slow me down because they were saying yeah. I was like way months and months ahead of my recovery. Um, but yeah, it was really important. It's in a different way. Like it's less important for me to. You know, now at the moment, I don't feel like I need to, I'm not bothered about times or, or anything or, or how fast I'm running. I don't, I don't wear a watch anymore. Um, 
to me it's all about being able to to do it and the experience and like I've been running with friends and you know I have done a couple of, of races where you know we did um equinox and uh, which was amazing I completely recommend that by the way it's in September um this is not sponsored this is a complete genuine thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because you basically have a group a team of you and you run for 24 hours um but you run in relay style and it was so much fun and we did it as a celebration of a year of me coming out of hospital um and it was like towards the end of last september and yeah. and it was just amazing because it made me realize what run how important running is and actually how much you enjoy things so much more than you, when you don't look at your watch um and look at the couple of things i have done now like you know just looking at, at, at other runners and the surroundings and the feeling of, and, and appreciating that feeling of running and taking part in whatever you do in the experience is so much more worthwhile i think sometimes i used to get bogged down in in looking at my watch all the time and pressurizing myself because I had to beat that time, which mm. I didn't really have to because it didn't really matter <laughs> at all. Um, I think I always put that pressure on myself. But yeah, running is so important to me, and 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 uh, and you know it's just helped me so much. Uh, you know, through this recovery stage, and 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 actually, like when I couldn't run, I walked to start with, and even walking gave me the same thing because it got me outside. Um, you know, it made me appreciate the, my surroundings and my body and being moving just moving I think helps so much because you you mentioned that obviously it's, it's a huge release for you and, and we've we've had a lot of people we've interviewed you who said similar when you couldn't run and you couldn't walk did you find anything else that was helpful or that you came to kind of rely on <laughs> um a, yeah a little bit so so writing helped me but I used to write as a kid and I love writing and I'm a journalist broadcaster anyway. So um, write, I started to write notes about how I felt, but then sometimes it'd get too much for me. Um, and I started to write, you know, what happened when I was in the coma and then I'd just break down. And so it kind of was a little bit cathartic and a bit of a release, but at the same time, mm. then it became like I was asking too much out of myself and my friends were great. And the two things that, that did help was, well, it's not really a thing, but my mum has dogs so, um, you know, when I was staying at her house, like just having the dog next, the dog next to me and the dog like became so protective of me. I mean, she has three dogs, but one of them just became so protective that, you know, whenever anybody made a noise, he'd jump and sit on my knee and protect me because he uh, obviously, you know, when they can sense that like, you're upset yeah. very well. And that really helped because especially like when my mum went back to work and there was nobody in the house for a bit and I'd sit and talk to the dog. I'd be like, oh, Alfie. Um, You'd be pushing things off, uh, smashing cups so he'd come and, sit, come and join you. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'd just be like, he'd like put his paw on me and like, oh, it was just so sweet. But then the other thing that became a bit of a joke, actually, for people that followed me on Instagram was the doctor said, the consultant said that I should try um, baking. <laughs> um yeah and, and let's say it was never really my cup of tea despite the fact that my nana was a baker and um it's the last thing that my friends my friends were shocked when I presented a cake to them and they were like what because <laughs> I'm the last person that would spend time in the kitchen and I'm normally like busy doing something else or out and about or whatever and then um, um so oh, sorry my battery was just dying then um and yeah so I started to uh, do some baking because the consultant said it was good for my hand-eye coordination but also for my strength because whenever I pick something up I, like I've actually got nerve damage in my left hand now and um, mm. from the from being in the coma um but like I was so weak that just actually stirring the 
mixture would help. So I started to do that, but it, but <laughs> I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So to start with, it became a frustration because I remember at one point I was like wearing these like random weird looking dungarees um, because they're the only thing that could fit me because I was still really swollen. And I was, I was kind of like leaning on the stool and like leaning on the sideboards and I was um, like steering this mixture and then I just broke down crying. I was like, I can't steer the mixture! Wow. Like a child, I mean, like a temper tantrum. <laughs> and like, my mum was like, it's all right. And then I'd just cry my eyes out, but then I'd make a cake. And the fact that I was able to make a cake, I don't know, it was just like a... You know, well, it wasn't quite going for a run, but it, it did definitely help. But then it got to the point where I remember my brother said, I've got three brothers. My brother said to me, uh, I think it was probably the same brother that ripped the piss out of me for the club hand and called me Miguel and all that kind of stuff. Um, my brother's nice. And he said to me, <laughs> I don't want to eat another fucking cake. Stop baking cakes. So I was like baking like three a day and it was getting like an, an obsession um but yeah it just because it just gave me you know it did help with my hand-eye coordination it did mm. help with my strength but it helped and it gave me something to do it yeah. helped my mind like my mind is and i'm a really active mind so i need something to do i can't just sit down um so yeah that was my that's the other thing that i found that helped me and watching peaky blinders my god i love peaky blinders <laughs> um that's actually what i did i'd never watched peaky blinders before right and then my brother was like you've got to watch peaky blinders that'll keep you going and I'm not, I'm, despite the fact that I work on TV, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm not somebody that sits and watches a lot of TV. Yeah. And um, and so I just watched Peaky Blinders. Honestly, the whole, from start to finish, from from zero, um, like throughout my recovery as well. So baking and Peaky Blinders there, and dogs. There's always there's always that um, thing, isn't it? Like when, I, I imagine when you came back, like maybe like your friends and, and your family must be thinking, you know, has... Has this experience changed you? Are you gonna? Yeah. Is there gonna be something different? And so, when you suddenly do something out of the blue, like that's maybe they don't they don't associate with you, like starting to like bake, you know, three hundred cakes a day or something like that. <laughs> there's that tendency. Is there, is there anything anything else that you know, that um, maybe they spotted that was different in you, or you know, or did you or did you you could you could have used the opportunity to just have some erratic behaviour and sort of trick them a little bit into thinking. <laughs> Start getting uber I religious. I slap this guy whenever yeah. you say yeah. the word. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's because I've been in a coma. But, 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 but everyone expect, expects, when, like, with the, like a near death experience, for you to come and start, you know, coming, uh, coming up with all these, you know, uh, like words of wisdom and, and stuff mm. like that. Was there, mm. was there, were people expecting that of you? Um, and did you disappoint? <laughs> Look, what you honestly, this is about the third time on this podcast that you've like made out that like I'm stupid. <laughs> like I've not been given words of wisdom. <laughs> um no, I think like yeah, the baking thing did make everybody laugh because it's really it's really not my <laughs> my personality <laughs> to bake. Um and yeah, and the fact that I was stood there baking cakes all the time, yeah, you know, caused a lot of a lot of laughter um i'm just trying to think i i think like uh, a serious thing was i think my friends felt like i wasn't me and um, they yeah. they said that um i'd lost the spark in my eyes and i'd lost my eyes they said like my eyes were just kind of almost dead and just glazed and i they and said I, that to you yeah at the time <laughs> your eyes are dead <laughs> um not quite like that but they okay. felt like I, I think maybe maybe post it they said that yeah they they felt you know, when I st- when they started to see a bit of sparkle back, they were like, "Oh my gosh, that's 
you know, we feel like we can see you again. Yeah, we've got you um, back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think there was anything, like, completely crazy, crazy that I, that I did. I mean, um, you know, I do, I do, again, it's a, a serious note, but I do believe, I believe in God and I believe that, like, I'm here for a reason and, um, but it's not like I've, I've gone around hitting everybody over the head with that. Um, and because some of my friends and my family might not know, feel the same about, about yeah. that. Um, mm. and, but I don't think there was anything like, I think I did definitely have a few like, like breakdown fits, which yeah. I think people were shocked at. Like I remember my, my brother and one of my other brothers coming in and him and my brother arguing about some food and I just went, stop it. And I just like, start to cry and I was like shaking and that's something that they didn't recognize in me because like I'm quite a chill person and it takes a lot to to phase me and also like you know I've got three brothers so I get stuck in and we argue and, and we do stuff with them did so you understand that... it did I understand it yeah is it what was happening to me yeah yeah no we... no no okay. no I didn't initially um and initially I didn't understand it because I didn't recognize it. I, me- I remember like w- walking out for the first time and a car pulled out in front of me and I jumped, I jumped so high and I shook and I was so nervous and I ran back inside, you know, that, that was just unrecognizable of me as a person because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm quite, I don't know. <laughs> I'm definitely not like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm quite a larger life personality. Yeah. So for me to be like that, and I think that was worrying yeah. My, my friends and my family were really worried about that because um, I'm normally quite a confident person and and I just really, I felt like I'd, I'd lost my identity completely yeah. and I didn't know who I was. And then um, actually I spoke to an intensive care specialist about it and they said it was completely normal and then they realised very quickly that I'd got PTSD and they yeah. were really amazing and referred me to see somebody and then helped me to understand why, you know, what why I was breaking down all the time and... and and I had panic attacks as well, and and that's not something that I recognised either before. So, mm. yeah, there was a lot of things that that actually helped me learn more about myself after what happened. And uh, do you now look ahead and think that a challenge of that scale, obviously, your your malaria is just a complete freak coincidence in some ways. But would you take on big events again, or are you? not really that interested in anymore in, in doing kind of these crazy challenges that's such a good question because i'm still not sure of the answer because it, if you'd have asked me this uh like a year ago i'd have mm. said no i'm not interested in doing challenges anymore and um, because i think i didn't at the time i still felt really fragile and like i didn't want to ever put myself in that position again and um, like I went to Uganda recently, I said mm. earlier, and I had a bit of a, like I was fine up until the day before, and the day before I had a real wobble where I was like, why am I going to, not to Uganda, Uganda is beautiful, but to a, um, I was going to a really remote area, which is on the border of the Congo, which mm. is which had high, a real high uh, death rate of malaria, and it was, you know, really um, prolific, and I, and I had a wobble as in, why am I doing this, and why am I putting myself in this situation? Because I feel that if I got hospitalized again in such a severe situation that I wouldn't survive. Mm. Um, So I have kind of a lot of those questions still going on in my head. Um, You know, I, but you know, when I I did decide to go to Uganda because I decided that, well, 
you know, I've not lived to, I've not survived to, to live half a life. Mm. You know, what was the point otherwise? Because yeah. that's not who I was before. And, um, and also I've had that experience and, and if I can do some, if it can turn into good, then I should do it. I should put, put myself in that situation. And I did. And, you know, and as soon as I got there, like, you know, my own feeling just went out of the window because of the, the, the poor children, not, not poor children, because they're not, they're so empowered and they're so clever and full of character. Mm. But, you know, the fact that they're, unfortunate they live yeah. in malaria yeah mm. um less fortunate um mm. and they have to live in you know it's the malaria that keeps them in, in repressed and in poverty not the actual poverty um and that was really sad but then you know going back to your question yeah i don't know i'm just like kind of beating around the answer because like my mum will kill me she's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. She made me swear that was that the question she sent me to ask yeah <laughs> yeah she literally she she actually made me make a video and say on the video i've actually still got it somewhere my mum's got it on her phone this is when i was still in hospital by the way this is what she, <laughs> she made me do a contract for your video <laughs> Said, I love your mum. That's put great. Myself in this in this position, and then I went. I will not do any challenges again, apart from maybe marathon. And she was like, "Not a marathon." I was like, "Well, maybe a marathon." And then, and, and then it was such a, a funny video. And then, <laughs> but I don't know because uh, I think I think I will do something again. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, I sounds, it sounds like it's your your personality type to just <laughs> you know push the boundaries a little bit more, then a little bit more, then a little yeah. bit more. I know it's so bad. I and you, my <laughs> and has that has that experience changed your, I guess your relationship with with pain and suffering, like in terms of sports? Like, would do you still get a similar sense of achievement from really pushing hard or getting that level of exhaustion, or, or is it different now? Uh, no, I think I still do get that same thing. I mean, obviously, I haven't really gone. I mean, I did run the London Marathon, but I ran it very differently like I would have normally mm. run it like we stopped yeah. every six miles took on waited for 10 minutes um kind of shook my legs out took on fuel and also I hadn't been able to do the distance not because um I hadn't trained on purpose but because um I wasn't a- able to train to that level yeah. so I'm still not able to train at that intensity so if I'd have trained at that intensity I wouldn't have been well enough to do the marathon so it was kind of mm. a weird like <laughs> you know um kind of six and two threes thing basically because you know i could i couldn't do the training and yeah i could win the marathon and um so i did do that and i did get an amazing amount of satisfaction out of doing that because um i thought i'd never be able to run a marathon again that makes me actually well up and my friend said to me i ran with my best friends uh, actually you met her when we did wings for life um, oh okay yeah the like cute little blonde girl that i was with <laughs> oh that, cool um, yeah okay lady, should i say and um she ran the marathon with me um, and she said to me, like, we both broke down in tears when we crossed the line um, because, <laughs> because also I didn't make it easy on myself. Like, I'd fall over after five miles and cut my whole knee open. Oh, yeah, I know. What is wrong with me? <laughs> um, <laughs> where is Lady Luck in my life? It's um, just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. I know. It was so funny. They were like, you need to send John's ambulance. We're like, we need the like um, first aid is like, we need to get you. Do we need to get you an ambulance? Because I was like bleeding everywhere and my hand cut open as well. And I was like, no, leave me alone. But was there a little bit of you thinking, 
Wait, last time I said no, I'll just wait for the nosebleeds and uh, bleeding yeah. out of every orifice this time, <laughs> and then, then I'll ask for help. And then I'll have an ambulance. Um, no, but I think, you know, in all seriousness, though, like the way I ran that marathon was super sensible, apart from the fact I fell over, and like there was no way I'd be able to run it. I've got. I've got a kidney problem and everybody that ran the marathon this year, it was so ridiculously hot. And I did, you know, we ran, it wasn't slow because um, anybody that runs a marathon, no matter what pace is incredible. Um, But for my natural pace before Rio, it was a lot slower. You know, everybody's relative to themselves. And, um, and also, like I said, like we stopped, I had family and friends every six miles and we stopped, and I had the only way I was allowed to do it was to be able to take on at least two and a half liters of water and um, carbohydrate. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I could have put myself back into hospital and had a kidney problem. Mm. So, like, I was really, really sensible and careful. And that's a real change in me um, and a real lesson I've learned. Um, where I, before Rio, I didn't have a thing in my head that went, oh, maybe you need to look after yourself now. But now I do have it, and it's so weird because it's such a different, different thing. It's something that I've never had before, where, because before I'd never had that experience, and now I'm like, you know, I have a kidney problem, and I'm still not recovered yet. I'm still in, within the um, recovery phase. Um, I'm still seeing a consultant. Um, you know, I'm still being looked after and tested all the time. And so I now have this thing where I'm, I know that my body might not be as capable of what I always thought it could be, which is weird. You know, because I think, you know, uh, any any runner and any endurance runner, <laughs> any cyclist, whoever, whatever sport it is, you know, you don't really, I think you just push yourself and think like your body can take anything, right? Yeah. Or is that just me? Do you, do you do that as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, well, you, you just push yourself until you find the limit and then you try and figure out a way to, to break it. Exactly. Yeah. So now it's like I have, a, I have to... I have to figure it out. It's kind of a weird thing because that's exactly what my mentality is. And that's, that's what you do, right? You, you push mm. your body to the limit and, and you do that through, through your breath, through your mind. It's all a mental game. It's all about mm. how much you can mentally push through, right? Um, when your body says no. So having to think differently from that is quite hard. Mm. So I think that, you know, I, I, I would like to do, <laughs> you, you got me thinking about challenges now. Like I would like to do another <laughs> challenge. I think I think I will do something. Sorry, ma'am. Challenge, ma'am. Um, and I think I'd want to do it pretty epic and and do it, you know, probably form an area and make sure that it makes a massive difference when yeah. we do it. Um, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just drag mum along, <laughs> but it's okay, mum, because you can get involved. <laughs> um, that's what I'm likely to do. Um, but yeah, it is it is strange because. Yeah, I'm having to think slightly differently at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think if you did a challenge for malaria as well, it, it would raise so much money, um, which obviously is more pressure and probably play on your mind to make <laughs> you want to do that. But I mean, it, it really would because, um, you know, when people have a, a close association with a, a cause, it, it amplifies so much greater. And I think your, your story is so powerful and personal that, yeah, it would it would make a massive difference. Um, oh, thank you. Send your ideas in. Send your ideas in. No, oh, we don't no. ask our group. Don't ask the do badders for suggestions, really. Yeah, this is the wrong podcast. This is the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not cycling, though. Not cycling. Yeah, I think, not I think cycling, cycling. Yeah, anything is... off a bike. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us your story. It's um, oh, it's just amazing. Just I, wow, because I'd, I'd, I'd obviously read a few articles about it, but I just hadn't realised to quite extent how close it was and how long it take it took and the the, the delay and oh, just oh, I mean, it must be so frustrating at the time and now, just like oh, whew. So thank you so much for coming on and telling us that. <laughs> I know it's exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but um, just uh, just amazing and really, really just interesting. And uh, um, before before we before we go, I did want to ask you on your on your tour running to all of the football clubs. Yeah. Which, which one was the crappiest? I knew you'd ask me an question. <laughs> That's what I, I figured you out now. I, I figured you out. You're like the one that asks. Let's see what we can get. Like, an, what was who was the crap? It, oh, you see, it's I know, all for entertainment. I know what, I know what not... the answer is, but I don't. I just, I'm gonna get uproar if I say. Okay, this. what was what was the least good? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't say. It. Go on, just <laughs> just say <laughs> so well, whatever well. it rhymes. Go on, give us a clue. Just <laughs> what's it rhyme? What's it rhyme with? Did they have a really good hoodlum um, wing? Still full. <laughs> they're not a northern team. Not a northern team. That no, narrows they're not. Uh, oh, that really narrows it down. There's only about five southern teams. Or Midlands. There's more, more than Midlands. Okay. Uh, hang on, what football league are you looking at? Um, what do, you, do you know anything about football? I don't even know that you're interested in football. Oh, wait. We, oh, is it just the premiership ones you did? No, I did all of them. Did all, ooh, well, okay. I didn't do all of them. I did 40 clubs, but it was across every single league. What does their mascot you know, I don't, look like? I don't just target the Premier League. What, what does the, what's the mascot look like? <laughs> lost. What's the mascot look like? <laughs> um, well, right, basically. There was well, what makes club, it crappy? Hang on, yeah, let's tell you that. There was one club that wasn't as supportive as the other clubs, and they even... <laughs> they, a little, they were a little bit up themselves... And um, it was raining, like, really bad when we arrived, and they wouldn't even let my friends come and stand. There was, like, about 25 people, I think, with me um, at the time because people came around with me and, you know, joined in at different points. And they they made them wait in reception, and they wouldn't even let them come and and have a look at the stadium. Oh. That's bad, isn't it? Nobody knows that. I can't believe I just told you that, but I can't tell you what club it is now that I've just told you that story. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out somehow. But amazing. Um, what were the colours yeah. in the reception area? <laughs> <laughs> what were the colours in the toilet? <laughs> going around all the reception areas, of course. Um, but but there was like every it was, there was only it's an, it's amazing then because there was only one club that wasn't that supportive, and every other club was amazing. Like they went above and beyond. Like. You know, I ran on the, like, West Ham gave us um, a box at the halfway line for us to finish and for all my friends and family and women's aid, um, you know, people that had got involved to go in the box and um, for me to watch me finish. And, like, Liverpool let me on the pitch at the Merseyside derby and I went on with um, Jamie Carragher and John Barnes. So, like, everybody was amazing. So, you know that it wasn't either West Ham or Liverpool there. I've narrowed it down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting there. We've still got four hours to record. Was it Fulham? Was it Fulham? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it wasn't Fulham. I reckon Fulham it was really good. They put on a nice spread for us. How can it be Pompey? Oh, stop it! No, it wasn't. Oh! Down that far. Okay. I finished oh, in London. 
Well, um, somebody's on the other line but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've mentioned you've got your book coming out um when when can we expect to see that oh, i don't know yet i'm still writing it okay <laughs> um so um hopefully the probably beginning of next year now okay okay and um, um and if if, uh, if the do badders out there want to can stay in touch with you follow more of, of what you do obviously um you're on television but are there are any other channels and which are best for them to kind of connect with you um, I think probably at the moment social media, like I'm doing, I'm kind of working behind the scenes on different projects, so um, they'll all be coming to light on, um, you know, I'll let everybody know on social media, so yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and I try to engage and, and reply to people as much as I can, um, I think it's really important, so yeah. yeah, and if anybody's yeah got any, I don't know, wants to privately message me, then you know, please go ahead about anything, I don't know, in particular. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but not asking me about that football club. <laughs> I will not answer. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I'm like Charlie Webster on Instagram. And I can't remember what my Twitter is. I think it's like Charlie CW. I think okay. someone stole Charlie Webster, so it's Charlie CW um, on Twitter. And, yeah, that's probably the best way. And then I keep everybody up to date on that. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's oh, just been just yeah, I absolutely loved it. Actually, um, I, I knew I would, but even more than I expected. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. And if you do want to take on a new challenge, or <laughs> you do find yourself needing some support um, because football clubs won't let you in, whoever they may be, get in touch. We've got a huge, um, huge army of listeners out there who are really supportive of our guests. So, um, and I know well, the two balance. Yeah, we'd like to get involved. So um, thanks yes, again. Yes, let's do something. Oh, this is great. I reckon we should think of something. Boom. I'm going to think of something. I'm going to, I'll probably phone you up tomorrow and be like, right, I've got an idea. I'm terrible, you know honestly. Well, now you've planted it. We'll train you up and um, help you out. The Do Badder Army will come up with the ideas. And it's how about, there's there's two things that we've we've themed so far. We've talked a lot about poo and we've talked a lot about this football club. If we can <laughs> We can combine the two in the challenge. Everybody wins. Hey, look, whatever challenge you're doing with me, it will always involve poo. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, to, to end on that, on that bombshell. On that bombshell. <laughs> and all runners will know exactly what I'm talking about. Amazing. You're not a real runner unless you know. <laughs> thank you so much charlie and, um, and if you've got another story to tell in the future do come back and we'd love to have you back hopefully it's not that horrible story <laughs> that one. thank you guys thanks see thanks you guys bye, bye. oh wow see the thing is right so we we recorded this uh, interview uh, a few weeks ago and um and i've listened back to it uh, uh, since everything and i've got to say that um Having listened to it, it, I, I, it was it was quite it was it was pr- it was pretty good where we were listening to it, and it, it went in lots of different directions, and, and it went in a place. But I woke up the next day and I felt incredibly sad. It made me yeah. feel really sad, and I and I admit I had a bit of a cry because of just just thinking about the situation she was in when she talks about with how her mum felt literally felt that she was seeing the end of her daughter. Yeah, and had to make that call, and that was just that was just oh god, that just as a just thinking as a parent, just doing that. But 
how fascinating it is to know that just talking to people in that situation that, that like in a in a coma that they can hear and knowing yeah that, that's really interesting and the fact that she was she was talking about alluding to potential show on um on sky talking about um outer body experiences and um especially the fact she's a christian as well tying into all that and, was she um, was she a christian before i don't i don't I, I i should we should have established that actually was she a christian before or did that come after that's a good question i, I don't know actually um i think i think she was but I don't know what I'm basing that on, but I mean, that's going to make you, it's going to, it's going to, that experience will change your view on everything. Um, you might st- stay with some views, but um, it's, it's going to call into question your life, your choices, your, the people you know. Um, wow. Um, I just, the, the thing that really, that's really fascinating um is how important it was to her to carry on with sort yeah. of carry on with the show. That yeah. even at the point at which she basically was in a toilet and there was like um, shit coming out of every orifice and blood coming out of every orifice, she thought, "I'm still, I, I might still be okay to carry on presenting." Yeah, and but, but I, I can understand it. Yeah, because. It, it might have i mean she she said she was presenting for american broadcasters so this could have been in the big break potentially yeah um and the olympics once every four years the pressure that would be on you and, and actually I've, I've alluded to the book in i've mentioned the book in the previous episode the, the ghost runner he is in similar circumstances himself he, he does a cancer but he has these hemorrhages and he can't physically move but then he'll get out and run because I think there is a, a personality type that just always assumes, oh, it's fine, it's fine, I'll continue, oh, don't worry about that, I'll just get on with life. Um, and it's admirable, but also at the same point, yeah. wow, it could be incredibly dangerous. And oh, that I'm sure Charlie's changed in that respect now. I'm sure she's a lot more aware of her health and her decisions relating to it. Yeah. Um, yeah but just wasn't i wasn't expecting it to be quite as emotional and quite yeah i i, I wrote her an email afterwards uh quite a long one and then having sent her I then thought mm, i'm not sure that's the right idea i've just basically said wow i can't believe how much hell you've been through <laughs> and, and i'm not i'm not sure if that's necessarily a good thing to be it's difficult it's people. difficult i mean like i mean how do you the thing is how do you respond to stuff like that it's just so it's mind-blowingly difficult to how do you yeah. respond to it? i mean like, i've just i've thought about it it's one of those ones that's just stayed with me for like weeks mm. um just thinking about you know what would i do in that situation what happens if my my child was in that situation what happens if you know what how would i feel if my mum was sat there having to make a decision you know and and it all comes back to one thing: cycling really is bad. It is really it is. There is, the cycling really is to blame for so many things. If she genuinely, if she was running, she wouldn't have covered so much distance, yeah. and therefore the doctors would have been aware that malaria was a potential risk. Absolutely. So, 
I think that's the lesson we should all take from from this today. Um, but the other thing, I want to know who the football club is. Oh yes, I've been thinking about that as well. I want it to be Crystal Palace. I want it to be Crystal yeah, Palace. Yeah, that's the thing. The and I don't care if it's not the clubs because... I've been thinking. Yeah. Well, why do you hate Crystal Palace? Well, because I'm a Brighton supporter. Is that a rivalry? Oh, yeah, of course it's a rivalry. Why does everyone say that? Of course it's a rivalry. Where would why would that be? It's closest club. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. We're what the Seagulls. They're the Eagles. Yeah, well, you think because they're on the coast, you think they're close. They're not at all. The miles- Portsmouth and Southampton are right next to each other. They're miles away. Right. How long has this rivalry been for? Since the since the seventies. It's it's an infamous rivalry. Ah. Oh, I mean, clearly not. That infamous. It it is infamous. The Seagulls versus the Eagles. I didn't think Brighton were ever good enough to have rivals. You're from public school. You don't know anything about football. (laughs) That's true. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, Yeah, that's the thing. It's quite a good way to, to judge your prejudices because all the clubs I've been thinking of are based on just my prejudices yeah, like, exactly it's clubs that you think <laughs> oh a bit of their shits yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it doesn't matter just it doesn't matter what club it is if it's a club you hate that's the club <laughs> yeah exactly and I um, I even asked her an email like tell me and I, I obviously went put it on air she hasn't she hasn't <laughs> I think she'll take it to her grave but um, yeah what an episode and um well, if you've, if you've got any other people that you'd suggest as guests in the future or subjects you'd like to discuss, the, then... I, the one thing I was going to say that mm. that kind of outdoes um, Anya's TB. I mean, we didn't think it anything. Anya, Anya running the MDS with TB, anything was going to outdo that so quickly. But that has. It ha- and I don't think you can top this one because I don't think you could get closer. Can you, can you top it? Come on, that's the... What, 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 what could possibly top it? I think you'd actually have Two to be... near-death experiences. Yeah, you'd have to be brought back from death, I think. You'd have to have... You'd, you'd probably have to see the white lights and be running, be in a race running to the white lights and then be brought back. That would probably be the Not only make thing. The, you, don't, you didn't make the cut-off. You didn't make the cut-off of heaven. <laughs> you yeah. go back to Earth. <laughs> That, that's the type of that's a, a B movie in the eighties that would happen. That is, that absolutely is. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you've got any suggestion for guests or other subjects you'd like us to discuss to bring on the show, let, let us know. We do go out there and we do hunt them down for you. Um, I mean, Charlie, thank you so much for being so candid with us. Um, really, really good interview. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think you know. I think she's mentioned some stuff that that in this in this interview that she hasn't mentioned elsewhere. Um, because we, yeah. were, we, you know, she was gen- really generous at the time, and the amount of, you know, we sort of like delved into it and stuff. I'm not saying that's because we're brilliant interviewers interview- <laughs> or anything else like that. Just saying, that's for you just- to say. <laughs> <laughs> we were really good. She wasn't you. She, we, 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 we tricked her. We like side footed her at the start to make me think that we were really, uh, like, really unprofessional, and then we hit her when she didn't realise it as well when she got vulnerable. Jabs. Yeah, that's it. But, um, but what are your thoughts, do bad? Is get in the Facebook group and uh, let us know. You can write to us, let us at badboyrunningpodcast.com. No, no, just badboyrunning.com. 
<laughs> you know that by now. Um, but if you, if you like the episode, please uh, please review us on iTunes. Um, five star, the funnier the better. Um, or subscribe to us as well. And uh, yep, join yeah, the Facebook group. Else? Join the Facebook group, um, uh, Bad Boy Running Podcast. Uh, now fifteen hundred uh, people in the uh, in the Facebook group officially. Um, welcoming more each each week, including new member Matt Simpson. Hello, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Matt is now a moderator? What? Who made him a moderator? I don't know. Whoever made him a moderator is getting banned. <laughs> That's the rumour I've heard, anyway. How can he be a moderator? What? Um, what is happening? What that... the, this is the thing, isn't it? You create something, and then you lose control of it, don't you? It, it, it gains a life of its own. Why can't What's the, the merchandise do that? Why can't the merchandise deliver itself, create and deliver itself? <laughs> <laughs> like the hoodies. Yeah. But, um, well, well, thanks for listening, guys. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll, um, we'll be back next week with another incredible guest. Uh, do let us know if you'd like us to interview anyone else there's normally a little bit more conversation before and afterward but we went into such amazing depth for Charlie that uh, we thought we'd try and keep this to just one run one long run for you so uh, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next time see you later bye 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 bye